They, they got you all covered. They, 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 they are all the things. And of course, it's real clear on the website. You can check that out as well to make sure that your thing is covered by their thing, which that sounded wrong, but we'll roll with it. Diz Runs Radio, episode 1155 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey, y'all, uh, real quick before we get to the good stuff, today's episode of the show is brought to you by the folks over at AminoCo. You've heard me talk about AminoCo, amino acid supplementation before. Uh, I'm going to keep talking about it because it's good stuff, good to give your body what it needs at a, you know, kind of at a, at a nutrient level to help with the repair process. That's a lot of what amino acids do. Uh, whether, you, whether you're taking the Perform Blend, which might be a, a pre-workout hitter, kind of a little something to give yourself a little boost, a little pep in your step, maybe you're, uh, you know... As summertime is settling in, maybe it's getting a little bit warm. You got to get out a little earlier for your runs, try to beat the heat, and uh, you're dragging a little bit. You know, not saying, uh, n- not pointing any fingers, saying I've been there. Maybe I'm still currently there. Maybe I'm always there when it comes to the early morning start times. Uh, a little boost from a little perform blend uh, mixed in with your water might be just that thing to kind of help you get going and uh, maybe take that that workout, especially if it's like a speed workout, a hard workout, take that to the next level a little bit. Um, so that could be a good use for it. Obviously, I, I've said this before. I like the Perform Blend uh, kind of midday. Get that little get that little lag, you know, but it's, it's maybe a little bit too late in the day for another cup of coffee. If I want to sleep that night, uh, throw a little, a little spoonful of Perform in my water bottle and uh, perked up, ready to go, ready to finish the day strong. Uh, but however, whenever you might could use a little extra boost, perform from AminoCo is a great option. And here's something I don't think I've talked about before, but I think it's I think it's worth mentioning. Uh, they've got a 60 day money back guarantee. So you know, get it, try it. You know, you use it, use a use it for a, a couple of months. I mean, 60 days that's that's two months in in most in most calendars, or at least pretty close to two months in most calendars. Uh, so give it a shot. And if you don't feel like it's doing anything for you, just say, hey, I don't know. And uh, they'll give you your money back. You know, no no questions asked. They make it real easy. So if you're on the fence, not sure it's worth it, give it a shot. And if you don't think it helps, then, uh, you know, money back guarantee. That's that's how confident they are in their product. That's how confident I am that you'll, uh, you know, get a benefit from it. Otherwise, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shilling it if I didn't think it was it was useful and if it wasn't something that I didn't use as part of my routine as well. So check it out. And uh, to, to make sure that they know that their advertising dollars are well spent, and that you're coming from this show, please use the link. You can you can type it in or it's in your, your podcast app right now. Uh, aminoco.com slash Dizruns. Aminoco, A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com slash Dizruns uh, so that we get a little bit credit here. And they're like, yeah, this is this is useful, useful use, a useful use, whatever. This is this is a good use of our advertising funds. Uh, they can help, you know, keep this thing going. And also, more importantly, you can help keep yourself going, uh, whether it's perform, heal, life, I don't know, a couple, a couple other blends as well, like a, like a liver cleanse blends, blend, uh, all different options available, uh, but all of them can be purchased through disruns.com, or I'm sorry, aminoco.com slash disruns. The disruns part, make sure you use the code disruns at checkout as well, 
That'll save you 30% on whatever you order. So aminoco.com slash Dizruns. Dizruns at checkout. Save yourself 30%. And if after 60 days, you're like, eh, you can get your money back. I mean, with no no risk, no downside, only upside. Give it a shot. Support the show. And uh, let's, get to, let's get to some questions now. Uh, because that's what this episode is all about. If you're new around here, we do this at the end of each month. The last Friday of each month, uh, the shorthand version is you ask, I answer. You ask good, you ask questions, sometimes really good questions. Sometimes Melody takes, takes uh, center stage and we get some nonsense, but we love, we love Melody. We appreciate her nonsense questions. Um, but then, uh, you know, y'all throw down the questions. I sometimes give good answers most of the time, whether it's a Melody question or not, it's a nonsense answer. Uh, but one way or the other, that's how this episode comes to pass. And if you would like to get your questions submitted for future Q&A episodes, because like I said, we do this every month, um, you can send them to me any old way you want. Um, you can you can be like Gary Joe and slip and slide into my DMs every month with a, with a list of questions because he doesn't do the Facebook, which I think that's that's a reasonable, a reasonable place to be in this world is not on Facebook. But if you are on Facebook, the best way to get your questions answered or asked and then ultimately answered is to join the Facebook group. And somewhere, you know, you, about about a week and a half before this episode goes out, I put a post up in the Facebook group that says, what are your questions? You reply, re- reply in the comments. And because they're all in the comments section of that particular post, I don't lose them. When they get uh, in the DMs or in the emails, sometimes I forget about them, lose sight of them, whatever. Try not to, but that's more of a risk if you go the unconventional route. So join the Facebook group is what I'm trying to say. Dizruns.com slash Facebook, or next time you're scrolling the book of faces, just search for the Dizruns tribe, click to join. We'll let you in. Don't be a douche because if you're a douche, we'll kick you out. But as long as you're cool, meaning, you know, just have some fun, crack some jokes. Don't try to, you know, whatever, take over the group. Um, then uh, we'd love to have you hang out and join what may or may not be I don't know. I, I think it is definitely one of the best Facebook groups for runners. Maybe the best. I don't know. That's that's up for discussion. I'm not going to plant my flag there just yet, but we're we're working towards that goal for sure. Anyway, uh, disruns.com slash Facebook. Come join the party. And if you got some future questions for future Q&As, you know, let me know and we'll, we'll see what we can do for you. Um, so let's get to it. First question this month from Rob. He says, in preparing for a potential 24-hour plus event, is there a prescribed duration or frequency of napping to prevent flaming out and not being able to recover? I understand situations are different, but looking for guideline to start experimenting with during training. So, um, man, uh, I feel like this is, this is one of those questions where we're starting, we're starting the drinking game early this month, y'all. Um, it depends. It depends. So, so chug a log bottoms up. Um, you thank Rob for this, but, uh, I don't, I don't, there's definitely no like prescribed duration or frequency. Um, and I, I think that it really comes down to what is your plus? Like if it's, if it's a 24 hour race, um, whether it's like a 24 hour, you know, laps around a track or whether it's, you know, like a hundred miler that you're, you're anticipating taking, you know, 24, 25 hours, something like that. Um, certainly there's, there's the possibility of, of laying down and taking a nap at some point, especially if you're running around a track or a mile loop or something like that, you can set up your, your campsite. Um, you know, and it might, it might, it might be a good call to take, you know, a a 20 minute nap, a 45 minute nap, an hour or two even, um, you know, but, but at the same time, especially for like, if it's, if it's trail race, a hundred mile race, something like that, you can do that. I've seen people do that at, at, at hundreds before. Um, but I think that if you're in that 24, 25, 26 hour range, I don't think you have to. 
I, I again, I don't, I don't think it's a bad idea. I don't think it's necessarily a good idea. I think it's, I think it's an option. It's a different strategy. Just like for some folks, some type of, of run walk is like the perfect strategy. Some folks, it's definitely not the right strategy. Some folks like sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, I kind of think the same thing here. Now, if you're starting to look at, you know, a 200 mile race or a 48 hour or a, a 72 hour race, and those, those types of things certainly do exist. Then of course, you know, there's, there's some more sleeping that's going to have to happen in there. Uh, some form or fashion of, of a nap or, you know, maybe even a, a few hours of shut eye at some point. Um, but I don't really know. I, I don't know that there's a good idea in terms of um, how to, how to prepare for it. Um, I think that's one of those types of things that you just kind of got to roll with on, on race day. And, and y'all know where it comes, where I come at least with, with never try something new on race day. I say, I mean, when is there a better time to try something new on than on race day? Um, and especially for something like this, like, I, I don't know that it would make sense from a physiological perspective, from a logistical perspective, from a life perspective to like do 24 hour training runs for a 24 hour race. Like that doesn't, that doesn't seem to make sense to me. I feel like, like, sure. You could glean something from doing something like that, but the recovery time, like wouldn't like, there'd be a lot of recovery that would have to come after that, both in terms of just sleep and then also the physical demands. So, you know, I mean, get some good time on your feet, but you're probably not going to be doing the type of, of volume and duration to where naps are going to be necessary in training. So I think, I think it just kind of comes down to kind of how you're feeling on, on race day. And, and again, when you say a potential 24 hour plus event, like in, in the way the ultra world is these days, like that's a wide window. Like it could be 24, 25, 26 hours. It could be 50 hours. And the way you're going to handle the potential of sleeping during those two events is probably going to be different. Um, just because, you know, I mean, you can power through a one, a one day, a 24 hour type of an event, um, especially with like race excitement. And if there's, if, especially if it's like a looped course where there's going to be people all the time, you're never going to be by yourself really. Uh, but you start getting into to two days plus, um, you know, then you definitely got to get some sleep in there. And, and how do you do that? Do you do some short chunks some power naps? Do you get a longer sleep? Um, I don't know if there's a right answer. Uh, I th- and I think quite honestly that I'm probably not the best guy to ask that question to. I think that's a question for more experienced ultra runners and, and what it, it, doing some of these longer duration events and kind of find out some of the pros and cons from their experience. And of course it's going to be their experience. So it may not relate exactly to you, but find out, you know, did sleeping for, you know, would they have been better off maybe sleeping for an hour instead of taking three 15 minute power naps or, or three 20 minute power naps? Um, or, or would the power naps have been better is sleeping for an hour or two, too much. And then you kind of get into that, that foggy place where you need some, some amino acids from, you know, some perform blend from amino co to give yourself a little extra boost or a cup of coffee or both. And, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Cause I've never done that. So it's hard for me to, to answer the question. Um, but definitely do some experimenting. Um, but I think your best bet is to experiment during training. Cause I, you know, I mean, is there a benefit to doing some like sleep deprived training runs? I mean, maybe, but the, 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 the downside of, of recovery and, and potential injury and things like that, like is, is higher too. So I don't, I don't know that I would do that very often, which means that race day is probably going to be your, your time to do some of that experimenting and some trial and erroring. And, uh, you know, that's why those crazy, which maybe you're one of them now, Robert, you're at least tempting fate to become one of these crazy hundred mile plus ultra runners that just kind of do these things all the time, because that's, that's, you know, Every time they're doing a race, it's time to enter the lab and figure something out and try something different. And it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, to experiment with what works 80 miles deep and and 22, 22 hours deep. Um, when you don't really ever get there in training.
So um, good luck to you, but keep an, keep an open mind. Try some different things. Um, but I'm sorry that I don't have a, a, a very good answer other than it depends. And people are cursing you already for that. Uh, second question, also from Rob. Later this year, I will have a three to four month gap between training cycles. My next event will be an increased effort from this year's event. With the desire to use my current fitness as a building block for next year, what percentage of weekly, monthly mileage should I maintain to allow my body to rest yet keep my return to fitness and striking distance for a few week build up to my next training cycle? Rob, um, you are just all in on the, the very vague questions this month, which is okay, but it's hard to give it, it's hard to give you any type of specific answer when your question is nothing but you know I'll have three to well will it be three months or four months, dude? Like, <laughs> what is, what is the first race and what is it like? Is it an increased effort? And I know it's not this, but I'm, you know, kind of poking a little fun at you here. Is it an increased effort from like a half marathon to a, a marathon? Is it an increased effort from, uh, you know, hard 5k to a hard 10k? Um, is it an increased effort from a 50 miler to a hundred miler, 50 miler to 200 miler? Like I, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of variation between the first race is going to be hard and the second race is going to be harder. And what do I do in between? When I don't know what those races are, um, and 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 also, you know, in in this part, in all seriousness, um, it's also pretty diff- difficult to to really give solid advice when we don't know what the condition you're going to be in coming out of the first race, right? Like like maybe the first race goes really well. Hopefully, it goes really well. You know, you have a, a pretty a pretty quote unquote normal recovery window for whatever that first race is. You know, maybe it's a couple of weeks, maybe it's it's a handful of days. I don't know, but you know. Versus do you come out of it really beat down? Maybe potentially with some type of niggle or injury. Hopefully not. Of course, of course we hope not, but certainly a possibility. And that's going to change, change the things, or, you know, change the, the, the prognosis. Um, but I think in general, and I, and I totally get your question, right? Like we, a lot of us, whether we're, we're looking for massively increased, you know, challenge from one race to the next or one training cycle to the next, or just, we're looking to improve on our performance from one race to the next. Um, I think that, that a great way to do that, and, and I've been banging this drum for a few years now, is to, to continue to try to maintain and, and you know build fitness and maintain a certain level from one race to the next. Um, and potentially, as we continue to climb the ladder, as we continue to be more experienced, as our bodies continue to, to um, adapt and, and strengthen as, as it relates to the demands of, of our sport of running, uh, you know, I, think, I think it makes sense within within a certain amount of, of limit here, you know, not, not to just go crazy, but to, to keep that floor a little bit higher, um, after every training cycle or two, um, you know, meaning to try to put some numbers to make it a little more concrete. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you keep your long run. If you've been building up for a half marathon, um, instead of dropping your long runs back down to maybe 10 K six, seven, eight miles, something like that, which is nothing wrong with doing that, but maybe you, you try to keep your long run around 10, 10 to 12 miles, after a half marathon build so that the next time, even if you're quote unquote, only race another half marathon, you've already got the, the, the base there that you can do some, some different types of workouts because you're not building up the, the base as much. So maybe you can go a little bit faster if, if speed is a goal. Um, you know, so just some of those types of things. So all that to say, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's an, I don't, you know, it's, it's an, it depends. It's an, I don't know because I don't know the specifics, but you know, maybe, maybe knocking down, you know, to, to, Ultimately, here's the answer. All right, let, let me try to stop talking myself into a circle. Ultimately, the 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 amount of training for the the base, or you know, to maintain maintain a solid base, is what's going to fit your life. Um, 
and, and, and I would say make your training fit into your life versus trying to make your life fit into your training. Meaning, yes, you want to maintain a certain level of fitness, maybe an elevated level of fitness to make the buildup for the next race. You know, you're starting ahead. And I think that's a great option. I think it's a great idea. But don't do that at the, at the, you know, at the, at the expense of time with your family, especially, you know, between these training cycles where maybe you've got time to, to, you know, have, have breakfast with, with your, with your partner, with your spouse, with your kids, things like that, um, to do some of those types of things that won't be as, as viable of options. Um, once you get back into the grind of training, because you're going to be logging some miles and maybe you're going to get out early to try to not sacrifice the whole day but you're also not going to have some of that time in the morning. So yes, you want to maintain fitness. And I, I, I don't know what the percent, like, I don't know that there is a percentage. Um, I will say this, you can probably do a lot less than you think and maintain a good solid base, especially if you just stretch out, like, like if you go one really good long run. Um, so maybe, maybe you're, and again, it's all hypothetical. Maybe you're going from a marathon for the first race to a 50 mile for the second race. Right. Um, and I don't know what you are, but just to try to throw some numbers and some context there. You could, you could drop your long runs to like 12, 13 miles most weeks, you know, and, and maybe you peaked out for marathon training at, at, let's just say 50 miles. So you had a, a 22 mile long run and then like whatever that math works out to, you know, six, seven mile or I'm sorry, four, seven milers or whatever, you know, something like that. You could drop those, those seven, eight milers during the week, four or five of those. You could drop that down to, you know, I don't know, drop that down to five miles a piece, drop your long run down to 10, 12 miles most weeks. And then maybe once a month, you just push that long run out to 18 to 20 miles, um, which yes, it's a big jump, but it's not, it's not something that you can't handle promise. Not something you can't handle in that type of scenario. When you've already built up for a good, hard, hard marathon, got that base. Um, you know, you could, you could bump it up 16, 17, 18 miles, 20 miles once a month, um, to kind of maintain that, that upper end of endurance and, and, you know, just the upper end of long run fitness. Um, to then lead into your 50 mile training block where you're going to be doing some, some longer runs and you're going to be doing some back to back long runs, probably things like that. So, you know, again, there's not, there's not a good, like drop it down to 75% of peak training or 60% or 50, like figure out what fits for your life. Trust that you're going to maintain, you're going to drop some peak fitness. You are, you can't maintain peak fitness forever, but if your base is solid and you're getting, you're, you're being consistent with your training in that three to four months in between training cycles, you'll be just fine. And again, that, that translates whether you're training for a 10 K half marathon, marathon, ultra distance races. Um, you can cut your mileage back a pretty, pretty decent chunk. If you're still being consistent and getting some good runs in, um, some quality runs in, which could be some, some longer, longer distance, longer runs in a while, some good hard workouts once in a while. Um, you're not going to, you're not going to lose it all and start from scratch. I promise you that. Um, and yeah, if you can maintain a little higher, great, but don't do it at the sacrifice of some of the, maybe you you know, some recovery and some decreased intensity to allow your body to refresh a little bit. Um, so that's, that's a very vague answer to an admittedly vague question. Um, but you've got a lot of wiggle room, I think is, is the moral of that story. Um, so try not to overthink it, try not to make it perfect. Cause there is no perfect. Like there's, there's a huge swath of good enough. And as long as you're in that, that good enough stage, you'll be fine to head into the next, the next training block, um, from a good place, but also from a refreshed place to really get that next phase of work done to whatever that next bigger event is. So hope that all makes sense, Rob. I'm sure that I'll get some more questions from you going forward in these Q and A's, maybe with a little more detail so I can craft maybe a little bit more specific answer for you, but appreciate your questions as always, my friend. 
Uh, next question from Jackie. How's extrovert Denny's running group doing? It's doing very well. I mean, it's doing well. Very well might be a stretch. So so here's here's the scenario for those that haven't been keeping track at home. Um, a couple of months ago, I guess a couple months ago now, the first part of April, uh, I've been after kicking around this idea for a while and talking to Rebecca and being like, you know, gosh, it'd be nice if there was a, a, a kind of a, a group neighborhood group run in our in our neighborhood. There's a lot of people here, a lot of families. Um, there's got to be some runners, right? And I'd see a few runners here and there, but not very many. Uh, so I decided to put a post up in our little Facebook group. Says, "Hey, we're going to start this group run. We're going to make it happen." Um, so every Thursday for the last eight weeks or so, uh, we've we've had a group run that starts at uh, five forty-five in the morning for the early birds or those that you know have to get get things going so they can get out for work, things like that. Uh, and then another group that starts at eight thirty for you know kind of for those that got to get the kids going, get the family out the door. Maybe you're just a little bit you know less less of a early riser. Um, but still, you know, get it done in the morning so we can get on with get on with the day. Um, so, so we've had you know two groups, and uh, the early group, the five forty five group, has been has been probably the most consistent group. Um, Rebecca tends to join that one, so I'm I'm pretty much guaranteed to not be alone for the early early morning uh, group. Um, and then there's usually there's there's been two, three, four people. Uh, consistently, probably two others, you know, it's, it's kind of varied a little bit of who the two others are, but, uh, fairly consistently there's, there's three or four of us total that, that are running. We've had as many as I think six or seven one time. Um, and just kind of, you know, just kind of usually three, four or five people, something like that. Uh, pretty consistent, which is, which has been awesome. The eight thirty group is, has often been myself and one other lady. Um, uh, but there's been a couple times that there's been three of us. There's been a couple times that I've run by myself. Um, so the eight thirty has been a little bit more hit or miss, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, hoping now that maybe with school letting out, uh, maybe that, that'll free up, you know, make the, make the mornings a little bit less chaos for some folks that have, you know, young kids trying to get kids out the door. Maybe they'll be able to make it. I don't know that, that happened. Yeah, I'm recording this the day before this episode gets released. So we just, just finished the group runs and had a, had a, a new lady join, uh, for the first time for the eight thirty group today. So hopefully we'll see her some more. Um, so it's going well, you know, we've, we've, we've had, only had a couple times that I've run by myself. So more, more often than not, people have been showing up. Uh, hasn't been like a raving. It's not like we're at 20 people or anything like that, but that's fine. We're, we're, you know, we're eight weeks in. Um, I get to flex my, I get to step outside of my introvert comfort zone den. Uh, and we actually talked about this this morning, which is, which is, uh, interesting that this question comes up of, you know, the, the, one of the guys that's always there for the 545 group is like, yeah, you know, I, I and he's very much extroverted. And he's like, you know, it's, 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 it, I had to, I've had to learn he's in the military. I've, I've kind of learned through the military that not everybody's as extroverted as I am. And Rebecca started laughing and she's like, yeah, he is massive introvert. And he's like, and you put this thing together. And I was like, yeah, you know, like, uh, trying to step outside of my, my comfort zone a little bit. And then I retreat back to the cave when we finished and he was like, all right, that's cool. That's cool. So, you know, it's, it's going well. I've, I've got some, some new folks met in the neighborhood, of course. Um, and hopefully, you know, a year from now, uh, it'll be, you know, six, eight, 10 people at each group and, and pretty consistent. And maybe there's even, you know, six, eight, 10 that are you come and come and go. So we've got, you know, 25, 30 people that are doing the group. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but so far so good, definitely enjoying it. Um, and if nothing else, it gives me a, a, a great opportunity to, uh, run with my, run with my wife. Can't maybe say it, but I can do it. Run with my wife once a week. Um, which is cool, which is cool. So yeah, it's going really well. Um, and if you, you know, so the moral of this story, Jackie and anybody else, if you're in a neighborhood, no group run, you know, put it out there. If you build it, they just might come. Um, and there might not be a, a ton of them, but you get one or two people to, to join you. 
Um, and over the course of a few months, maybe that grows to a few more and, and now you got to get a nice little group, you know, and, and the cool thing about it being in the neighborhood in, in all seriousness is like, you know, you get to, you get to know a little bit and like, I know where, I know where this person lives. I know where that person lives. And like, you know, when you, when you know the person, when you're the friends with, with, with Mo who lives down in the corner and Sarah who lives down the hill and things like that, like, like not that I'm in their business, but like when I, when I go by their house, like, Hey, you know, everything, everything looked good. Right. Like, like you're just a little bit more aware of what's going on at, at your friend's houses. And hopefully they're a little bit more aware of what's going on at your house. If, if they drive by and something looks out, it looks amiss, you know, maybe you get that, that message of, Hey, everything okay at home. Like, like I noticed this happened or what's going on here. I uh, just looking out for each other a little bit more, which is kind of cool. So, uh, get, get your neighborhood group runs going y'all. It's even if you're, a, I promise you're not as introverted as I am. Like, I guess I don't promise. I almost can guarantee you're not as, as introverted as I am and I'm enjoying it. So maybe, maybe use that as a nudge to, to put a little post up in your little neighborhood group, uh, your neighborhood WhatsApp group or your Facebook group or whatever, and say, Hey, let's, let's run. Just pick a day once a week, keep it simple, a couple of miles, something that's not too intimidating. And, uh, hopefully you get some folks to join you, but thanks for the question, Jackie. Uh, next question from Daryl. Hope this can help someone else. Uh, I run after work around 5.30 p.m. And I usually have 30 minutes around noon each day during my lunch break that I can use to go to the gym. I usually try to go three or four times per week. What would be the most beneficial work that I could do during this 30-minute window to help my running? Uh, great, great question, Daryl. And, and I mean, at the risk of almost being dismissive to your question, the world's your oyster, man. Like, like there is... You'd be hard. You'd be hard pressed to come up with something you could do in 30 minutes at the gym that I would be like, yeah, that wouldn't be worth it. That wouldn't be helpful. Um, the the only thing I would say to not do, which to me is common sense, but if you don't have much of a strength training gym going background, um, maybe it's not so common sense. But like, don't do legs three or four days in a row, right? Don't do any single muscle group focused on just legs or just upper body or just core or whatever three or four times in a row. Like that, that's not going to do you any favors. That's going to just leave you sore and broken down and hurting. Um, but, but you could, you know, if you're going four times a week, maybe you do two sessions that are a, a pretty good whole body, you know, a little bit of pushing, a little bit of pulling, a little bit of hinging at the hips, some squats, some lunges, whatever, but you know, you get it, get it two good 25, 30 minute sessions where you're doing whole body strength training. And let me just tell you, if you, if you get after it for 20, 30 minutes, whole body, like that's a solid workout. Like you don't need hours in the gym. Like you get, and especially for us as runners, like you're not trying to be a bodybuilder, right? You're not trying to pack on, you know, Mr. Olympia size, uh, uh, muscle growth, but just strong overall general fitness, 30 minutes, upper body twice a week. That's massive. Uh, now you got another day or two per, per, per week to get to the gym. You know, maybe you do some stretching. Maybe you do, maybe you have a, your gym has like a foam roller. So you do some like foam rolling and some mobility stuff. Uh, maybe there's some yoga that you could do. Maybe you jump on the spin bike and do a little bit of cross training or the elliptical or the rowing machine. Um, I mean, there's so many things. There's so many things you could do. Maybe you do a, a little bit more of a core, core focused, uh, workout once a week while you got two full bodies. This gets a little bit of core, but then maybe, you know, maybe you got full body on Monday, full body on Wednesday. And then Friday is more of a core focus where you're doing, and, and for the love of everything, holy, please don't forget that core is not just abs. I'm not saying do abs for 30 minutes, but saying, do core stuff. So you're doing lower back, you're doing hips, you're doing, uh, obliques and sides and twists and, and all of the stability type of exercises, um, where you're really getting your core. Yes. A little bit of abs too. That's fine. But full core work. Um, maybe the gym has a yoga class. So you're doing some yoga. Like, like again, there, there is short of just doing the same thing, the same exact thing, working the same exact muscle groups three or four times a week. Um, 
I mean, anything you can do is going to help you because, because my view on this hasn't changed is that, you know, the, the more well-roundedly healthy and fit and strong and balanced we are, the better we're going to be as runners. So even things that might not feel like they're specific to running, maybe you got, you jump into a, a 30 minute pickup basketball game. Um, and you're like, well, how is that going to help me you know, run a better half marathon or whatever? Well, you're, you're working your body in some different planes of motion. You're moving side to side a little bit. You're stopping and starting and sprinting and jumping. Uh, make sure you warm up real well. Cause you don't need to like pop an Achilles tendon or something like that. Blow out a, blow out a, a, a quad. Um, but if you're warmed up and you're moving, and you're doing some of those types of things, like that's going to make you more well-balanced as a human, which is going to make you contribute to being more healthy, fit. Uh, and I would argue better as a, a runner as well. So make use of the time. Um, I think, I think if I were going to optimize it, I'd say, yeah, a couple of, of full body strength sessions and then some type of maybe cross training, mobility, foam rolling, things like that, um, would be awesome. But whatever, whatever excites you, whatever floats your boat, do those things and it'll, it'll pay off for you for sure. Especially if you're consistent, consistent, long-term three or four times a week, 30 minutes. Oh, goodness gracious, Daryl take advantage of it. That's, that would be awesome and definitely help you. Um, might make some of your evening runs a little bit, you know, might have a little bit of a short term feel like a negative impact there. Cause you'll be, might have sore legs or tired legs or whatever. Um, but big picture, that's a good trade off to make. It'll help you for sure. So thank you for the question, my friend. Um, hopefully that helps you and maybe helps someone else as well. Uh, next question from Stephanie. Is there a long run duration that reaps the most benefit before starting to get diminished returns? Or in other words, is there a sweet spot in which to stop ETA? Um, I don't think ETA is right, but maybe FYI, I'm not into races, so I don't use a training plan or anything. Um, sorry, uh, that just the ETA threw me there for a second, Stephanie, but I think that's, that's a good question. And, and, um, ultimately, you know, here's another one of those kind of, it depends questions, but, uh, no, I, actually, no, I take that back. You, you can, you can get rid of that drink. You can spit that drink out folks. The answer is not, it depends. Uh, the, the, the real answer is no, there, there's not a long run duration that reaps the most benefit because it's, it's going to vary, which is not the same thing as saying it depends. Uh, it's going to vary based on, based on your fitness, based on your goals, based on what races you may be training for. So, you know, if, if you're, if you're training for a 5k, um, or, you know, you're just training to be able to jump into the local, you know, church fundraiser 5k or school fundraiser 5k or whatever charity event is going to happen in your neighborhood at some point. Um, you know, like, like, I don't know that there'd be diminished returns after, you know, five, six, seven miles, something like that in terms of fitness returns. But like, are you going to be more ready for your 5k if you keep doing, you know, 10 miles and 15 miles and things like that? One could maybe make the argument, but in general, like, no, like, yeah, probably not going to be, be more helpful. Um, but you know, if you're training for a marathon, like then you need to get, you know, get some of those longer runs. If you're training for an ultra, you need some of those longer runs. So um, it's going to, if there is a sweet spot, which I'm sure there is like, like, you know, I'm not saying that you should run a 50 miles and train a 50 mile long run or a 50 mile race and training for a marathon. Um, and in a, in a different context, I might even say that, that could, that could be helpful with just that massive amount of time on feet and, and pushing yourself that way to be able to, to then dial it down and hammer for the, for the marathon distance. So I don't think there's necessarily a diminished returns point. Um, but you know, so at some point it becomes out of balance with life, right? Like, like at some point you, you can't just keep running all day. Cause you got kids and you got family and you got work and you got obligations and you got this and you got that and the other things. So, um, you know, you have some ebbs and flows maybe once a month or so you maybe go a little bit longer just to, to get more time out on your feet. But, but for you, Stephanie, 
if you're not into races and you're not really training for anything, um, you know, it's like if, if two hours on Saturday is more than enough for you to kind of reconnect, clear your head, maybe connect with some friends or whatever, uh, and then come back home and, and face the weekend and all the chaos that goes on there after, after a busy week, then perfect. If, if three hours makes you feel better, has, gives you a clearer mind, a better connection with your friends, then go for three hours. If one hour is all you got, that's good. That's good. We'll take an hour, you know? So, um, moral of the story is that, like there, there's, there's some, some nuance to, you know, times when it makes sense to go longer times when it makes sense to maybe not go as long, but in general, there's definitely not like a sweet spot. And some would argue there is, there is an argument out there. Maybe you've heard this. Maybe this is where your question comes from that. Like anything beyond three hours is, is overkill. And again, there is some nuance to that. And there's, a, there's some times when maybe you look at a longer run and you go, maybe it's not worth it. Um, but I, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. If you recover well after it, if you're, if you're running easy, you know, you're not hammering for four or five, six hours, but you're keeping your easy runs easy and, and a long run, probably going to be easy most of the time. Um, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I set myself behind an eight ball because sometimes I do a three and a half hour long run. Sometimes I do a four hour long run. Like that's okay. Um, so, so yeah maybe there's a sweet spot and probably there's a sweet spot for every person. But in general, I, I don't subscribe to the idea that three hours tops is it or 15 miles or 20 miles, or I, I don't subscribe to that way of thinking at all. Um, with maybe an asterisk, because again, there's a bit of nuance depending on what you're training for, things like that. Uh, next question also from Stephanie, a recent podcast was regarding being unconcerned with Garmin slash other watches labeling a run as unproductive or something similar. What if Garmin is saying that you're actually kicking some major booty? I got back into running last fall after being sidelined with back pain for most 2022. I'm 45, but Garmin says that my fitness age is 27. My pulse runs low, so I'm guessing that's what it's going off of because I'm not exactly slaying your running. Well, you're getting out there, Stephanie, so we'll, we'll call that a win for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I, I, whatever formula that they're using to tell us, some of us, that our runs are unproductive, and I think that's nonsense. I mean, they're using the same type of formula to tell you that, you know, your, your, your fitness age is 27. Like, I mean, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but like, I think if, if the formula is kind of BS when it gives you an answer you don't want, you kind of got to say it's BS when it gives you the answer you do want as well. Um, not saying that your fitness age isn't 27 and may, you know, if your heart rate, your pulse just naturally runs low, like that's, that's not a bad thing. Um, but they're operating under the formula or under the expectation that that's, that that's maybe not a, uh, a natural genetic type of lower heart rate. And I'm sure that you're right, that that's, that that's what a big piece of their formula is saying. Um, but, but if you're, you know, if you're, if your pulse is, is ridiculously low naturally, but they're thinking like, Oh man, like this lady's just hammering her runs. Um, then that's probably what they're saying. So, so yeah, I would, I wouldn't put too, like, just like I've, I would told everybody when the unproductive chat, don't put too much, don't put any weight into that. Like you're, you're getting out there, you're doing it and it's, it's helpful. Um, you know, when it comes back and says like, you know, you ran for a couple of miles and like, you crushed it. You're like, yeah, I mean, I probably didn't crush it. Like it was productive. It was useful. Um, but maybe, maybe your, your, uh, your, your one size fits all formula doesn't exactly fit anyone, let alone everyone. So, uh, so yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much, too much, uh, credence into it. Hopefully that's not bursting any bubbles. Um, 
but you know, you get, you get what's good for the goose has to be good for the gander. Right. And if, if, if what's, what's nonsense on one end of the spectrum probably is nonsense on the other side of the spectrum, at least as, at least as I see it. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep enjoying your runs. Um, you don't need to slay. That's the, that's okay. Keep getting out there. It's good for you. It, it's hopefully good for your, your mental health, physical health, emotional health, all those things. Hopefully you just enjoy it. Um, and who cares, you know, whatever Garmin said, like if, if, if you want to pat yourself on the back and be like, yeah, Garmin thinks I'm, I'm half of my age. Like, I'm not going to tell you to not do that. I'm not going to tell you that I wouldn't do that. If my watch was like, dude, when did you, when did you, you know, step into the, uh, when did you find the fountain of youth? And you're now, you're now 32 years old instead of 41 or maybe even 27 instead of 41. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'd be like, hell yeah. But I also wouldn't be like, I'm like, I, I would still look in the mirror and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm still 41. Like, let's not kid ourselves. Right. So, uh, keep on, keep on keeping on lady. Thanks for the questions. Appreciate you. Um, next, next question or two from, uh, my man, Chris, who just, I believe ran a marathon, uh, but asked the question before his marathon. So marathon in Spokane this weekend, uh, which was like last weekend. So congratulations on the marathon, Chris. Hope it went well. Uh, nearing the end of tapering. And here are a few food questions. First food, food question. If you could only eat two foods for the rest of your life, what are they? Um, this, the first, if you said one food, it would have been a slam dunk, like easy cheese, like not even, not even a hesitation, not even a moment's thought. Now, if you said I had to pick one brand of cheese, now we've got a, now we've got a problem. But if I can just say one food, cheese, rest of my life between, Soft cheeses, hard cheeses, melty cheeses, gooey cheeses, shredded cheeses, block cheeses. Woo! Your boy, your boy would be in hog heaven with, you know, a, a block of brie and a block of cheddar and a block of Swiss and some provolone and some Munster. Oh, Havarti. Oh, oh, oh. give me some. Oh, cheese. I could eat cheese for days, for weeks, for months. I mean... Probably doesn't have the nutrition profile that I would, you know, prefer to have a, a more balanced nutrition profile. But one food group, one food forever, cheese. Ooh, easy. Now you add a second one. What's what's the what's what two foods would you eat? I mean, then like my default is like meat. But like that's even I can make an argument that cheese works, but like meat, that's probably too much. Uh, you know, it's probably too vague to, to satisfy the question. Um, so if I had to, if I had to break it down, I'd probably go like, like ground beef hamburgers. You could, you could, you know, just, you know, I've, I've maybe have been known to just, you know, saute up some, or, you know, pan fry some brown, I guess is the right word, brown some ground beef and just eat it out of the, eat it out of the skillet, you know, just right there. Um, so like I could, I can, I can always put down a hamburger. Um, I can always put down ground beef. Uh, and if I can go ground beef plus cheese, ho, 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 Parmesan, little Parmesan Reggiano in the, in with the ground beef. Oh, that's good stuff right there. Cheese for sure. Probably ground beef, but as long as it's like a meat product, yeah, we're good. We're good with, with whatever meat option number two turns out to be. Uh, next question from Chris, best post race spread foods that you have encountered at a finish line. Ah, uh, this one's a tough one because I don't know if it's, if it's, you know, what is that, what is that statistic or maybe not statistic, but that, you know, our brains hold on to the negative much more than they hold on to the positive. So like, you know, it takes however many positive affirmations to, to undo one negative comment, whether it's self-inflicted or otherwise, you know, it takes, it takes a lot more put ups to balance out a single put down. Um, 
And I can't really think of too many spreads I've got to at the finish line where I'm like, this is awesome. I can think of a lot that have been like, this is terrible. Uh, still on the lookout for the first race that has like hot coffee at the end of the finish line. That would like immediately be like the number one scenario of like, yes, they had, they had coffee at the finish line. Yes. Sign do this race every year. Coffee at the finish line. Um, I feel like some of the altars I've run have been pretty good. Cause usually there's like a grill going, you know, and they've got the burgers. Maybe they got cheese to go on top of the burgers. So, like that's, that's always worked out well. Um, but, but ultras tend to just, I mean, they just, you know, the, the ultra race itself is like, you know, you go from one aid station to the next and there's chips and there's, and there's crackers and there's cookies and there's candies. And sometimes there's grilled cheese, which cheese again on the menu. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's food throughout the race, which is, but then at the finish line, the grills going, the, the, the buffet is out. There's all kinds of things. Maybe not always the most healthy things, but the chips and the crackers and the this and the that and all the things like, like that's always good. Um, but like road races, man, marathons, at least the ones I've done few and far between, uh, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll have me the beer ticket and that's always, that's always appreciated. Um, but a lot of times it's like boxed food, like Disney. I don't know why some people like, like think the Disney post race box food that they give you is good. It's terrible. It is, ter- it is, it is indefensibly terrible for the amount that you spend to run a Disney race that they give you. Here's two crackers and a, and a packet of 17 year old Oreos. Like it's just, it's terrible. Um, and if you, if you disagree with that, come at me cause you're wrong. You are wrong. Um, they used to be all right, but now they're terrible anyway. Um, you know, and like I, I told the, the seven bridges story, and I think seven bridges is a great race. Like I enjoyed that race. I'd go back and run it again, but man, like they had like pasta, at the finish line, it's just like, come on, man. Like, and that was like the only option and honey buns, pasta and honey buns. Goodness. Um, so, so yeah, I'm still waiting for the coffee. You know, anytime that you get the grill going, that's a win in my book for a post-race scenario. Um, but quite honestly, I'm usually not that hungry after a hard race anyway. So like, I don't really care. I don't really care. Like, give me a few, I need a few hours to then get hungry and then, then we're going to eat. Then we're going to eat, um, probably a burger with some cheese on it. You know, I mean to your previous question. But, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't have too many I'm still looking for that race that just like, and I've heard some, I've heard stories. I've heard some stories of some races that really do it up well. Uh, but I've yet to experience it. Maybe, maybe someday, maybe someday, but thanks for the questions, Chris. Hope your marathon was a good one. Next from Alex, 33 minute bike ride commute to work. Does that equal time on feet? Um, no man. Like I can't, I can't sign off on that as time on feet. I absolutely say that that counts as cross training. I absolutely say that's beneficial. I absolutely say continue to ride your bike back and forth to work because uh, that will help you from a fitness perspective. It'll help you, uh, you know, better for you than than not that there's anything wrong with getting in the car, of course. But like, like I would, I would say yes. The bike is a benefit. Does it count as time on feet? I mean, you're not really on your feet, right? Like, like time on feet is time on feet. That's time walking around. That's walking the dog. That's hiking. That's that's you know doing yard work. Like those types of things. T- time on feet even if they're not like intentional walking, like I can get on board with that. Um, but time pedaling a bike, I mean, you, you count it how you want to count it, my man, but I can't count that as time on feet for me again, cross training. Absolutely beneficial. Sure. Exercise to count in terms of like exercise volume. Absolutely. Time on feet. Uh, your time on wheels, my man. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, again, you count it how you want to count it. I would count it as cross training. Um, way before I'd counted his time on feet for sure. Um, but again, you're moving your fitness forward. It's productive. Take it. Don't overthink it. Don't worry too much about it. It's going to help you keep it up. 
Keep it up. Thanks for the questions and welcome to the group. You you just joined, already got your question in. I love it. Those that haven't joined the group yet, get in and then get your questions asked next month, just like Alex did this month. Welcome to the group, my friend. Glad to have you. Thanks for the question. Uh, next question. Ugh. I mean, I don't say, uh, I say, uh, more of the, more for the question than for the person asking. Cause it's, it's our favorite treadmill princess who also just ran a, her 50th marathon. I think, is that what I saw? Thessaly, correct me where I'm wrong, but whatever, whatever the number was, it was a big number. 50th career marathon. I believe. Congratulations lady. Um, but Thessaly asked the question, totally a loaded question, which is where the, uh came from. Uh, in what ways does running make one a better human? Since I'm assuming that the loaded part of the question is I may have said a few times that running makes me a better person. Similarly, how do you see the lessons learned in running translate and apply to one's daily life? So first part of your question, how does it make you a better human? Well, I, I feel like for me, I can only speak for myself. You know, maybe, maybe some people running makes them a less than favorable person, but for me, like, I mean, and maybe this is a better question for Rebecca and you can just stop being, stop being all, you know, dancing around the tulips and just be like, Rebecca, how does running make Denny a better person? Um, but, but, you know, I think it, I think it boils down to if I don't run for a while and like, I can get, you know, it's not like I have to run every single day to, and if I don't, I turn into, you know, Jekyll and Hyde scenario, but like I'm angrier, like not angrier. Cause like I'm, I'm too laid back to be angry about most things, but like I snap at Addison a little bit more, maybe snap at Rebecca a little bit more probably snap at the dog a little bit more like, you know, just a little bit, a little bit quicker trigger. Um, you know, just, just a little bit grumpier, a little bit, you know, some of the sarcasm maybe cuts a little bit deeper. And I don't know that it's all, in, I, I, I do know that for the most part, it's not intentional, but that's how, that's what happens. Right. Um, just, just a little bit more standoffish than I already typically am standoffish, you know, a little bit more introverted than I already am introverted. Um, like all of my, you know, and, and I've, as I've said before, I am a delight, but you know, I'm also a human and like all of my less than delightful characteristics probably get ramped up if I'm not running regularly. Uh, and whatever it is, whether it's balancing, balancing hormones or balancing, you know, having a release or, you know, all, all of the things that exercise does to us from a, from a emotional and, and, uh, mental, mental health and mental clarity and just routine. You know, I mean, obviously for me, it's a routine thing as well. Keeps me in my routine, um, helps me to be a better person, you know, helps me to get home and, Maybe still be a little bit of a sarcastic bastard, but like less cutting and just more like superficial fun. And we all laugh and have a good time. Um, you know, a little bit more patient with when Addison does Addison things, you know, she's, she's, a she's a sweetheart, but she's also an eight years old going on nine, going on 17. Um, and she can be a shit sometimes and I love her, but, but you know, um, but I can be a little bit more patient with her and a little bit more forgiving of some of the, the nonsense things that like I was doing the same stuff when I was her age, no question. Um, but being able to be a little bit more patient, a little bit more forgiving, a little bit, maybe less, less quick to blow my top. Like sometimes my dad did it. My dad's a great guy. Love him to death. But like, you know, there are some times that, that you kind of look back and go, Oh yeah. Like maybe, maybe I don't want to, I don't want to quite emulate that part of, of, you know, the experience. Um, and so, so I think running helps me with that. I, I know running helps me with that. So that for me, that's how it makes me a better human is I'm just, just a little bit, a little bit more type B type B minus, uh, than I normally am. Um, and I think that the people around me appreciate that a little bit. So that's how it works for me. Uh, similarly, how do you see the lessons learned in running translate and applying to one's daily life? You know, if your boy would ever get around to write that second book, that marathons and metaphors book, like I would spell this out that like, I wouldn't have to answer the question. I could be like, just read the book, Thessaly, but I can't tell you to read the book when I haven't written the book. Um, 
but I mean, I think I think there's there's so many translations. I think there's so many, you know, for a guy who hates metaphors, like it's it's such the perfect metaphor of like, you know, you, you, the lessons learned in running. So like, you know, consistency. How much how much do I talk about consistency all the time? Um, but I think it's I think it's vital. I think it's vital to you know, success in running. I think it's vital to success in a lot of things in life. You know, if you want to, whether you're climbing the corporate ladder, whether you're building a, a podcast and creating some nonsense empire, um, whether you're, you're working on, you know, having a good relationship with, with your partner, or your spouse, um, you know, you keep showing up consistently, right? You keep, you keep showing up to work. You keep doing, you doing, doing the best you can to, to deliver a good product or a good service or whatever it is. And eventually, Hopefully, at least you give yourself the best chance of consistently showing up, consistently doing the job, consistently then having the opportunities for maybe promotions or, or abilities to, to move up and create create more responsibility for yourself and, and build your business that way or you know build your career that way. Keep putting podcasts out a couple times a week. And you know after almost nine years now, goodness gracious, it's almost been nine years now, like we've got something, right? It didn't happen overnight. It was consistently. Um, you know, build your fitness to, to get, to get better, you know, faster. You know, how did you get to 50 marathons? Like you ran one, then you ran a second one, then you ran a third one and you were consistently training in between to, to build your fitness to get there. You know, how do you, how do you, you know, Rebecca and I just had 16 years of, of marriage and like, you know, it, it's, it's been pretty good, but it's not always, you know, there's been, there's been patches. There's been, there's been some struggles, um, but we consistently show up and we consistently support each other. Um, so consistency, huge. Um, you know, maybe it's, it's running easy and, and all the heart rate stuff that I talk about, but like, can, you can't go 20 hours a day hammering at work and expect to like have this long distinguished career, right? Like you're going to burn out. You can't like, like, like interpersonal relationships. They can't be super intense all the time. Or they, they, they did You got to have like that kind of low level or that, that consistent level and easy level, if you will. I think there's, I think there's a a lesson there. I think there's a lesson to, there's going to be failure. You know, there's going to be times that you struggle, that the things don't go to plan. And do you bounce back or do you give up? Um, learning, learning lessons from, from experience, you know, times that, that you do things in running where it goes well and you're like, I should do that again. Or you, you learn lessons the hard way. And, you know, you can, you can draw that parallel to other aspects of life. So, you know, I, I think, I think there's so many things, obviously it's going to be a little bit dependent each person and, and each experience. Um, and I, but I think there's enough that I, that I could write a book about it. Um, and I have the domain already. I just need to, you know, do the actual book writing part. And maybe that maybe there's a lesson there too, is for terms of like, if you just keep putting off the, I'm going to, I'm going to run this race. You never freaking run the race, right? Like sometimes you just gotta, you gotta make it happen. You gotta sign up for the race and do it. Sometimes you just gotta start writing the damn book and that way you get it done. Um, so yeah, I think there's, I think that just about anything that we learn in running, there's, there's a similar place for those lessons to pay out, play out in life. And I think that probably most things that we learn in life there's a similar way that that plays out in our running as well. I think, I think they're very intertwined and I think it could be a good book if I ever make it happen. So thank you for the questions lady. And, and once again, congrats on, uh, on the marathon milestone. Here's to, here's to the next 50. Uh, if, if you want to do 50 more, uh, but thanks for the questions. Uh, next from North of the border, Brian asks, how should one go about determining their maintenance mileage between sessions? Oh, Brian here, here, but chug a log y'all. Uh, it depends. It depends my man. And, and this kind of goes back to Rob's question, obviously. Um, you know, even if it's not a massively different challenge from one race to the next, like how do you determine your, your maintenance mileage? Like, like, I don't know. I mean, what, what fits best in your life? Like, how are you feeling about running? Um, you know, as I mentioned, whatever I, last week's quick tip, 
um, the, and the best of ish, you know, I've got, I've got a few folks I'm working with right now that are a little bit burned out with running. Um, so for them, obviously we're, we're dialing things way back, like not, not run at all for a few weeks. And, and, you know, you can make the argument and you wouldn't necessarily be wrong that that's not exactly a good maintenance schedule, but for their mental, their mental health of running and their desire to enjoy running, like that's the best maintenance plan right now is to not run, do some other things, do some cross training, play with your kids, strength train, go for walks, go for hikes, whatever, like do live life for a little bit, give running a little break, you know, and, and yet your fitness might dip a little bit when you come back in two, three, four weeks, but like, but you'll be, you'll be refreshed mentally ready to go. Of course, I've got some folks that are just so locked in and they're, they're as much in the routine of running as I am, where it's like, yeah, we're not taking a break. Like we might take it, take a two day break. Um, but then it's like, all right, well, what's, what's a good level. And it, it depends, you know, like for me, a good level is, is, you know, 35, 40 miles a week. It's running six miles, six ish miles, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, 10 to 10 to 15 on, on Saturday. Um, and that works, you know, for some people, it might be half that for some people, it might be twice that. Uh, it depends on, on where you are in your fitness, how you're feeling about running in general, um, and, and what your life looks like. You know, if, if it's the summertime and, you know, you like to do some some time at the beach and some fishing and some this and that and the other thing, like you might dial back a little bit more and that's okay. You're not going to lose all your running fitness. You know, try to squeeze in one one good solid long run every every couple few weeks. Um, and what that, what that means is going to depend on, on all of the factors. Like this is, this is the, it depends. This is the, uh, the business end of the, it depends drinking game. Um, but like, like there's so many factors that go into determining. Um, and even then, then you're going to have to adjust to life anyway, right? Like you might say that that 25 miles a week is like the perfect maintenance mileage, but you might have some weeks that you're going to be at 28, 29. You're going to have some weeks that you're going to be at 15. Like, it's okay. You're going to bob and weave a little bit because you, and, and there's no better time to bob and weave with your mileage than when you're in that maintenance program between training cycles, because you're between training cycles. So give yourself a little bit of grace, give yourself a little bit of, of free time. Maybe, maybe bike commute to work a little bit more, uh, like Alex is doing. And, and maybe you don't count that as running mileage, but it's still training, training time. So you, you can back off when you're running even more because you're, you're complementing it with all this extra time on time on feet or time on bike. Um, maybe you're hiking more. So there's your time on feet. Like, like there's so many variables that go in play. Um, but I would, I would say, you know, like it depends, it depends, but less is probably more to a point of course. Um, but whatever kind of feels right, whatever kind of fits your, your life routine. Um, that's where you want to be. That's where you want to be. And certainly don't want to try, don't try to stay at peak level, um, back it down from peak a bit, but then just, you know, it, I think I said earlier, I know I said earlier, you got a wide swath. So don't feel like you need to be narrowed down. Like take advantage of that whole wide swath, go a little bit heavy some weeks, Ray light some weeks in the middle, most weeks, and you'll be fine. You'll be fine. So there's, there's your non-answer, Brian. Apologies for, uh, so many, it depends is, but, uh, fill fill up your glass. Cause I'm sure we'll have another one or two of those before it's all said and done. Uh, speaking of before we're all said and done, I think we're about halfway. I don't know. Goodness gracious. We're already closing in on an hour. Uh, but I need to, to remind you that, uh, today's episode is in fact sponsored by the folks over at Amino Co. Uh, aminoco.com slash disruns for all your amino acid supplementation needs. Don't forget to use the code disruns at checkout. Save yourself 30% on your order. Um, get the money back guarantee. We got fits all the dietary, th- any type of dietary preference or allergies or things like that. You know, reasons that you're vegan, vegetarian, keto, uh, soy free, dairy free, grain free. They, they got you all covered. They, 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 they are all the things. And of course it's real clear on the website. You can check that out as well to make sure that your thing is covered by their thing, which that sounded 
wrong, but we'll roll with it. Um, aminoco.com slash Dizruns. Dizruns at checkout. Save yourself 30%. So next question after Brian's question there. Who's the next one? Here, Michaela's question. I know wrist heart rate monitors are unreliable. Well, I'm glad that that message is getting through. At least one person has picked up on the fact that heart rate, wrist heart rate monitors are nonsense. What do you think about the forearm ones? Oh, Michaela, I, 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 are you, is this an honest question? Or are you just setting me up for a rant because you're going to get the rant? Actually, you're not going to get the rant. We're just going to cut to the chase. They're, they're about the same. You know, they, they might be marginally better, um, but they're still not measuring heart rate. They're still just measuring blood flow. They're still going to have issues with different skin tones. So if you if your skin is more tan, if you're, if you're black, if you're brown, it's not going to be as, as accurate as if you're transparently, uh, Scottish, like my wife, like, it's just, it's just, if you're going to be, if you're going to, if you're doing heart rate training, you need a heart rate strap period. If you want to just monitor, have a, have a loose idea of what your heart rate might be, especially at less intense levels of exercise day, you know, moment by moment, day to day at rest, things like that, then the wrist is fine. The forearm is fine. Um, but get out of here with anybody trying to tell you that the forearm ones are really accurate. No, they're, they're not even measuring your heart rate. So game over, like enough said, they're measuring blood flow. They have a formula. Sometimes it's close. Sometimes it's not, but they're not, they're literally not measuring your heart rate. So if your heart rate matters, why would you use something that's literally not measuring your heart? Like that, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, like if you're counting calories, but like, then you just, well, well, should, you know, do, do I need to count the calories or should I just, you know, count the serving size? Well, the serving size isn't the calories. Not maybe that was, maybe that was a, a poor example. Cause we don't need to, to, to stress counting calories. That's not something I do really. But, um, if you're, if you're worried about your heart rate, measure your heart rate. Like to me, that's just like, I can't, I can't, I can't even, I literally can't even. Um, so yeah. And I got a little ranty there. Apologies. Forearm ones. They might as well, they might be better than the heart rate, but they, they ain't than the, than the wrist based ones, but they're not measuring your heart rate. So nope. Pass next. Thanks for the question lady. Uh, next from Martin, another little heart rate nodule coming in here. Uh, even on my easy runs, I still tend to breathe through my mouth. I never feel like I get enough air through my nose while on a run, even though my watch doesn't yell about my heart rate. I know, I know. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll leave you alone on the, on the watch heart rate situation there. And I can still talk fairly comfortably while, while running. Should I be trying to change to more nose breathing or does it not matter that much? Um, so that's, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting question, Martin, because it's one of those where depending on who you ask, and that's not an, it depends answer. But depending on who you ask, some would say not to worry about it. Some would say, oh, you absolutely need to try to breathe through your nose. Um, I, I say if you're passing the talk test, if you don't feel like you're you're working too hard, breathing relatively normally, your watch isn't screaming at you about your heart rate, um, that that's probably okay. Like you're probably keeping your easy runs easy, so it's fine. Um, you know, and, and maybe in an ideal world, like, yeah, you would you would get to where you can breathe through your nose because then you're getting the filtration benefits of the, of the nostrils and the nasal cavity, um, which, which there is definitely, you know, that's, that's better than breathing straight through your mouth. Um, and, and a book that might be interesting, I believe it's called breathe. I read it a while ago or listened to it on audible, um, talking about ways to, to improve your efficiency at nasal breathing that could be helpful for you. 
uh, and and really kind of digs into all the benefits of of nasal breathing. And so that would be one where they would they would absolutely say that you need to force yourself to breathe through your nose. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't overthink it if you can. Maybe try to work on that. Um, but you know, if if it's if that's one of those things that's starting to take away your joy from your runs, just keep it keep it easy. Breathe through your mouth, and like you'll probably be okay. You know, um, you know, it's one of those good, better, bests. Like it's probably best to breathe through your nose, but as long as you're you're breathing well, you're breathing easy, your heart rate's more or less in check, even if your wrist doesn't tell you exactly what your heart rate is anyway, um, you're fine. You're fine. Next question also from Martin. If you were to eat one, what's your sub sandwich of choice? Um, pretty easy choice here for me, I think. We got a couple food questions today. I, I like it. Um, but I'm going with like the Italian you know, if it's, if it's Subway, I think it's the Italian BMT, but you know, various places have some type of Italian where there's some type of salami, some type of ham, maybe a little bit of prosciutto, uh, usually got some provolone, maybe some mozzarella. Um, I don't need like, I, I'm not talking like a, like a, you know, I don't need like a red sauce, but like, you know, like oil and vinegar on there. Um, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good sub right there. It could be, could be toasted, could be, could be, you know, whatever, not cold, but like not hot. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm agnostic on that. Um, but yeah, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm going to a sub shop, like that's probably what I'm getting. Like, you know, I might look at, I might think about something else. I'm a tuna fish guy at home a lot of times. So sometimes, sometimes the tuna fish, but I feel like at home I can make, I can make tuna fish. You know, I can, I can, I can whip up a can, add a little mayo. You know, I can, I can do that at home. Like I'm probably not going, you know, three or four layer, layers of Italian meats at home very often. So if I'm going to go out to a sub place, we're probably going to default to that because that's, that's way way more outside the bounds of what I would normally get at home. So give me, give me some type of Italian, um, some type of, some type of cured meat deliciousness. Yeah. That's, that's what we're going to do if we uh, find ourselves or when we find ourselves at a sub shop for sure. Uh, but thanks for the questions, my friend. Hope things are well up on, uh, in your part of the great state of Georgia. Uh, next it is that time once again, for the Tom trifecta. If you stay, first question for Tom, if you stay in heart rate zone two for your easy runs and heart rate four for speed days, when should you run in zone three, if ever? Very good question, Tom. And I think it's a pretty easy answer, quite honestly. But I, I understand why there would be some confusion there. And, 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 even if all you're doing is listening to me, like how many times am I, if you're doing easy runs to run easy, if you're doing hard runs, running hard. So that's like, yeah, just keep it in zone two or freaking get there at zone four, maybe even touching zone five for some good, hard speed efforts. Um, but zone three can be valuable for like a tempo effort for like a race pace effort. Like maybe not like a 5k race effort, but like if you're doing, you know, if you're doing marathon paced effort, you goal, goal pace for a marathon, like that's not going to be zone two. And if your marathon pace is, is zone four, you're probably going to crash and burn. So, you know, somewhere in that, that middle to high end of zone three, like that's probably marathon pace. So if you're doing some type of longer tempo run, if you're doing some type of, you know, fast finish where you do maybe, you know, eight miles easy, eight miles at marathon goal pace, like you're probably going to be in zone three. So, so that would, that would be the time, like kind of that longer duration threshold type of, of runs, uh, longer duration speed, um, that's, that's not easy, but it's not balls to the walls hard, but it's not, it's not gray area. It's not like not impact, like going back to the watch stuff. Like that's definitely impactful. It's definitely building a level of fitness that will benefit you on race day. You don't want to be there for all your runs, certainly. Um, but there is a time and a place to go that comfortably hard 
which I think is kind of zone three, like, like zone four, hard, hard, um, <laughs> zone two, easy, uh, zone, zone three, comfortably hard. The, the key with any of these zones though, as far as I'm concerned is intentionality. So if you're doing a speed workout, don't be in zone three. If you're doing an easy run, don't be in zone three, but if you're doing a tempo run, pace base, something like that, um, then that's where you, then that's where you want to be, be there intentionally. And that would be the time when I think it would make sense to be in that, in that type of, of zone for sure. For sure. Uh, next question from Tom for the vast majority of us who are not professional or elite runners, which I, I still am waiting for somebody to, 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 to respond. And this isn't like a, a, a dig, just still waiting for somebody to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm so-and-so elite professional runner. And I listen to your podcast. I love it. Hey, awesome. Glad you're listening. But until that happens, you don't even have to say for the vast majority of us. I mean, you say for all of us, because none of us listen to this podcast are elites or professional runners. Is there a benefit to adding double run days to a training plan? I find it hard to run twice in the same day, but might be willing to try. Um, I mean, there's, there's probably a time and a place like this is definitely not one of those scenarios where I'm gonna be like, no, there's no benefit or yes, there is absolutely a benefit. Um, but I think it, it depends on what your normal routine is anyway. Um, and I think that, I think that you're answering the question right now to say, I find it hard to run twice in the same day. Well then, then don't bother. Don't bother. Um, where it would be useful, where it'd be beneficial is if you were trying to add a little bit more volume to your training, uh, maybe you're trying to get some more mileage in, but like you still really value and appreciate, you know, having a day or two of non-running days per week, you know, whether it's a rest day, whether it's cross training days, whatever, like, like I would not be willing to, you know, run seven days a week. Like I know some of you streakers out there, Bill and some others, uh, you know, you're, you're down with the streak and that's cool. I mean, I'm not really a proponent, but like it works for you. Awesome. But if I'm trying to bump my mileage up, you know, I like right now I'm not running Wednesdays and Sundays. I might, I might consider running Wednesday before I'd add a double to the mix, but like, I'm not running both Wednesday and Sunday. So in that case, if I, if I, you know, couldn't just run more on the days that I was running adding double. Okay. That, that could be, that could be part of the conversation. Um, I think that if you're training for some of the, like the longer and distance, longer distance type of races, ultra distances, um, you could, you could find a, an argument where, you know, doing, instead of doing back to back long runs, maybe do, you know, just double run, like a, a long run Saturday morning and a, a moderate, a moderately long run Saturday evening, but then still keeping Sunday as a rest day. You could, you could make an argument that would work that that would, that would tick the box running on tired legs. Um, but still allowing that rest day. So, so I think that in those types of situations, and then probably there's other dozen scenarios that are similar along those lines, like kind of makes sense. Um, you know, maybe it's just a life situation and you, you know, you can, you can, you can either get up wicked early, but sacrifice sleep to get in your six or seven miles before work, or you can run three, three before and run three after work. Like, okay, that makes sense. Like I can see the logic there. Um, but other, uh, you know, like, is there some like massive, like, are you going to, are you going to knock, you know, 20 minutes off your marathon PR because now you're running twice a day, three times a week versus not. And your mileage is basically the same. Like, no, no, that's not, that's not going to do it for you. Um, and if it gets in the way of, of life then that's not good, especially if, again, cause we're not professionals, we're not elites. Um, you know, like, like if it, if it works and it fits out in your life, maybe, but if it's sacrificing time with your kids or your partner or your spouse, or you have to, you know, have work issues because of it, like, no, just run once a day and like, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. So if it works great, there's some benefits to it maybe, but in general, like once a day, probably enough for most of us. Um, last question from Tom, do you have a favorite spot to watch the sunrise in your, on your frosty morning runs? It hasn't been frost. It was, although I did wear long sleeves today, you know, just like a, a texture, you know, cause not cause I needed to, 
but I could. It was cool enough to do that. Um, but no, I don't have a favorite spot to watch the sunrise. To to uh, I, I'm not a sunrise guy. Like let's not let's not let's let's call it like it is. Um, if I was by the beach or by by somewhere where it was coming up over a body of water and there wasn't a bunch of other houses and things, like okay maybe. But you know, there's there's some spots here where it's halfway decent. You get to the crest of a hill, you kind of look out, but you're just looking out over other houses to watch the sunrise, and yeah, doesn't it doesn't do anything for me. Um, you know, I, I, I know Rebecca has gotten some good photos of sunrises at various times in, in the new neighborhood. Um, but it doesn't do anything for me. So yeah, I, I couldn't even tell you, like I'm out there when the sun is rising, but like, I don't even like pay attention to it. It, it literally does nothing for me. So yeah, there's no, there's no favorite spot to Like there's no, there's no, there's no watching the sunrise, even though I could pretty much do it every day. Um, not something I pay attention to cause I am a curmudgeon grumpy old man. So there's that. Anyway, thanks for the questions, Tom, as always. Now we've got, we got Barb. Barb is vying for the lead for how many questions can I ask this much? She's got four or five questions, something like that. Goodness gracious. Uh, good stuff, Barb. Thanks for all the questions this month. First one from Barb. Increased volume leads to increased aches and pains. Any exercises you recommend for piriformis and or IT band issues? So very good question. I think that, that um, that's something that, that you need to, that we all need to consider, right? When you're bumping up the mileage, whether you're running a double, whether you're increasing your mileage for maintenance phases between training cycles, whether you're in the training cycle, you know, the build up for, for your next race. Um, yeah, the, the more you're running, the more likelihood of various aches and pains bubbling up to the surface for sure. Um, and so that's where it's all about, you know, whether it's strength training, which I think is, is good, especially for it band issues, working core strength, core stability, that's big. Um, piriformis, maybe some, some squats, some lunges kind of really working, um, the, the, the glutes to try to take some of the load off of the piriformis muscle, which is a much smaller muscle. Um, and if you've got good, strong glutes and, and glutes that are firing, um, they can take some stress off that way, working some mobility stuff, doing some, some stretching, uh, especially quads and hip flexors for the piriformis can help take pressure off of that, doing some stretching of the piriformis itself. So like pigeon pose or like figure, figure four, where you cross your your one leg over your other knee and kind of pull that knee back to, to make like a, a, the number four between your legs. Uh, but it kind of stretches that, that deep hip glute area, getting on the lacrosse ball to break up the break up tight muscles. That's good. Um, but it's just, a, it's, it's not necessarily that there's any like one specific exercise, but it's the little things it's staying on top of, of the foam rolling, staying on top of sleep, staying on top of stretching and, and mobility, things like that. And recognizing to the point of your question, Barbara, to the introductory of a question there, if you're doing more volume, you probably need to make sure that you're also bumping up, or at least it's a good idea to also bump up some of the recovery protocol, some of the body work protocol that you're following, uh, because you're, you're adding more wear and tear. So you need to kind of dick that on the other end with more sleep, um, or better sleep, more recovery tactics, uh, things like that. So something to definitely be aware of. And if you catch these things early, you can, you can usually nip them in the bud. If you ignore them, which us runners are tend to be known to do, they have a tendency of uh, getting worse instead of better. So don't ignore them, especially if you're increasing your volume. Next, also from Barb, do you recommend any muscle scraping tools? How and when do you implement them? So I have some tools, haven't used them. I don't think I've maybe used them once since we've been in Georgia. Um, honestly, I would like to use them a bit more, uh, but they're great for like superficial areas. They're great for Achilles tendon. They don't feel great on the Achilles tendon, but they're great for like the Achilles tendon, IT band, tendons around your knee, hamstring tendons, patellar tendon. Um, you know, they're, they're a little bit tough on the bony areas like you, you, and you don't need a lot of pressure. 
Um, but they work, they work great for just kind of loosening up, you know, kind of myofascial release, blood flow, things like that. So when I do use them, I tend to use them a lot around my Achilles, a little bit on my knee, a little bit on kind of that, that IT band area. Um, sometimes I'll get into my calf with them a little bit too, but honestly, I don't think that they're as beneficial there. Um, I think that they're better for kind of those, those areas where it's bony, um, or, you know, tendons around bones or, or muscles around bones. Use it on my, my, uh, like my shins a little bit, like shin splint muscle, your anterior tibialis for those keeping track at home, um, can work good there too. And again, you don't need much pressure, especially along a bony area. Um, but a little bit of, of a little bit of scraping, not a bad option. If you have, if you have the option, um, and I don't have any fancy tools. I can't remember what they're, which, which brand I have. I got something on Amazon. That's, you know, it's a set of three or four different tools, um, that I basically only use one or two of them. Um, and I don't know, it was less than a hundred dollars, probably $60, $70, something like that. Um, if you're really curious, Barb, let me know and I'll shoot you a link with which, which one I got. I'll dig back through my order history and find them. Um, but any of those tools are, are pretty good. Um, it's like anything like a foam roller, like a stick, like whatever they're good. They, they, they work better in some areas than others, but they really only work if you use them. And so maybe this is a little nudge to make sure I start, you know, try to use my tools once in a while. Uh, cause I got them and I think they're good. I think they're helpful but not when they're just sitting in the cabinet. So might need to find them. I think I know where they are. I, in fact, I do know where they are, um, but I don't think I've used them at the new house. So maybe it's, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. Next question from Barb. Goodness. Again, love it. Love all these questions. Um, as race season is upon us, what are three tried and true bits of advice you give your runners leading up to the big event? Whew, you're asking for the special sauce here, Barb. You're asking me to freely give away what people readily pay for, or at least somewhat begrudgingly pay for. Um, no, I, I'll answer your question. I think, I don't know that I have three bits of advice that really I give to everybody, but the, the biggest one hands down is to have fun. Um, you know, it's okay to be chasing a goal. It's okay to be racing hard to try to hit a PR or a BQ or, or whatever it might be the first time running whatever distance. Um, but at the end of the day, and back to Tom's question, like none of, no, nobody that I'm working with, and I don't think anybody listening is, you know, do I make my mortgage payment based on the result of my race? Right. So it's, it's all about, Hey, we, we do this for fun. We like try to enjoy the process. Yes. There's going to be some hard moments. Yes. Especially if you're racing hard and things are going well, or maybe things aren't going well. Um, it's maybe not, might not always be the ideal scenario, but like wave to the kids, give the kid a high five, thank the volunteers, like have fun out there. Remember to have fun out there. So that's always the most important piece. Um, you know, and then I think, I think the, the rest of it, it kind of varies based on kind of how the training cycle went, what our history is, what the, you know, remind them of lessons learned from previous races. Um, I, I, you know, some, some folks I, I work with, um, we don't get real granular with, with strategy because it's just, it's too much for them to think about of like, try to be at this point at this time in the race, whatever. So, but, but you know, the ones that have a little bit more that, that like a little bit more structure, what, where should I be at? Like, what's the average overall pace or what's the time for the five, five K or whatever different, different waypoints that we've you know, identified on the course. Uh, so I might remind them of the plan. Um, I try not to give them too much to think about, but like, you know, don't, you know, don't start too hard you know, keep it, keep it easy for the first 5k and then settle in and, and cruise and go from there. Um, you know, remind them to trust their training. Um, you know, if they've got mantras or remind them of that, like, like just, it's, it's, it's the big thing is always to have fun. Um, no matter how it goes, have fun, hope it goes well. It might go sideways one way or the other. Have fun. like have fun is like the, the big thing. 
Um, and everything else is just kind of little, little subtle reminders based on kind of how training went, what their goals are. Uh, maybe don't kill yourself this race because you also have this race coming up in a few weeks. So, you know, have fun, push it. But if it starts to wobble back way off because, you know, we've got this other race. So, but again, it depends on the scenario, depends on the specifics of that person. Uh, but have fun is universal. Have fun is universal. Have fun out there y'all. Um, because like ultimately the result, like it ain't changing your life one way or the other, but have fun out there and enjoy it. Enjoy the process. And a lot of times when you have fun, the result tends to work itself out a little bit better as well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's that. And that's it for Barb's questions. Now, spoiler alert, there's one more coming up towards the end. So thanks for the, thanks for that block of questions, Barb. We'll get back to it. Or we'll get back to your final question shortly. Uh, next from Natasha, because of life circumstances, I ended up tapering really hard before my last marathon and it worked out super well for me. Was this just a fluke or is there truth to less is more during a taper? Um, I mean, your N equals one is your N equals one, but I would, I would argue that you almost can't taper hard enough. Like you almost can't taper hard enough. Um, you know, unless you're talking like, I'm going to take an eight week taper where I'm not going to run at all. Well, then that might not work out so well for you. But if you're in that two to three week window before a race and you're not running very much because life happens, um, that's, that's not a bad situation. Like, honestly, when it comes to running during a taper, um, I think most of it, like, you know, back to Thessaly's question, most of the reason I, I, I don't take running way off the calendar of people is that like, it's part of the routine makes a lot of people, myself included, a, you know, a functional human being, a better person to be around when we're running fairly regularly. So if all of a sudden I'm like, Hey, don't run for a week and a half leading up to your race. Like people are going to get in their head. I'm going to get in my head. I'm going to overthink things. I'm going to question everything. I'm going to worry about how I'm going to feel when race day comes and I'm going to run for the first time in 10 days. So like we keep running, but if life conspires, or maybe now that you know that a hard taper or a little bit heavier taper, um, really works out well for you, like maybe that becomes your go-to maybe, maybe you, you know, you do that last long run three weeks out, four weeks out from a race. And you know, again, you don't dial it back to zero, but you dial it back substantially. And that's just going to help. You're going to be more refreshed. You're gonna be more relaxed. You're gonna be, be as ready to go as possible on race day. Cause the work has already been done. You've got all the recovery work and refreshment work done as far as foam rolling, stretching, sleeping, et cetera. Um, no, I think, I, I don't think it was a fluke at all. I don't think it was a fluke at all. And I think if you can handle pulling way back mentally, Cause I think that's the biggest hurdle for most of us. I think if you can handle that mentally, maybe cause you were forced to the one time and now you've seen it work. Maybe you're more likely to, to lean into that more for future races. I, I can't guarantee anything of course, but I think you'll find that it, it works well for you. Works well for most of us. I think if you can lean into it, it'll work really well for you. So my advice for whatever it might or may not be worth is you didn't pay anything for it. So you're going to get it for free is I would, I would, keep on keeping on with the, with the really less is more during a taper for sure. For sure. Second question from Natasha, what words of wisdom slash advice slash tough love would you give someone who knows they need to strength train, but they just don't want to, and are struggling to make it happen asking for a friend? Well, Natasha, I would, I would tell your friend, I would encourage your friend. Um, if you, if, if your friend knows that he or she needs to strength train, then your friend knows that it's going to help your running. Right. Like, like you, like there's, there's probably not that disconnect for your friend. Um, cause if, if there is for, for runners that are like, how is it going to help my running? Like that's, that's a whole different conversation. Um, but if it's not, if, if that's not the reason, but it's also not enough to get your friend off the, off the couch or off the treadmill or, or whatever to, to do some strength training work. Um, maybe the idea of like, wh- where does your friend want to be 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, do you, does, does your friend still want to be running 
in 20, 30, 40 years? Does your friend want to be able to, to play with his or her grandkids 30, 40 years from now, getting down on the floor and down and dirty and up and maybe climbing a tree and chasing around the park and things like that? Um, having a certain amount of muscle mass and muscle strength and muscle you know utility is going to be key to all of those things, whether it's running, whether it's, you know, walking the dog, whether it's, it's working in the flowers, whether it's playing with the grandkids, whatever it is, whatever, whatever your friend sees his or her life looking like ideally 30 years from now, 40 years from now, um, the best chance of that coming to fruition, no guarantees of course, but the best chance of that coming to fruition is to be overall healthy. Yes. Running is great. And running is a key component of overall health, but it's a key component, not the only factor, right? So taking care of the strength, building the, building the strength, building the bone strength, like yes, bone strength. We do get some of that from running, but guess what? We get a lot more of that from strength training. Um, so, so making the strength training happen. Yeah, it's great for running, but if, if that's not enough to get your friend out the door, maybe, maybe encouraging your friend to think about, Hey, you know, wh- what do you want it to look like when we're old? You know, when, 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 when we're, when we're retired, our kids are grown, uh, and, and the grandkids come back and like, like, you know, how, how do you want to be living your life then? Do you want to still be running? Do you want to still be, you know, functional and, and able to live on your own? Which I think safe to say, probably all of us like, yes, like, duh. Like, I don't, I don't know how many people are like, yeah, I want to be, I want to be, you know, bed bound by the time I'm 70. Um, nobody says that, right? Like it happens to some folks and strength training doesn't guarantee that it won't happen to you, but boy, it goes a long way towards helping to make sure that, that you're able to be functional and independent for as many years as you're on the, on the planet. Maybe running is included in that. Um, but that's, that's what I would encourage your friend to think about is the long-term benefits. And, and quite frank, frankly, like, you know, however old your friend is, the, the best time to build some of that strength and, and get, and, and see some of that, that let's start to lay that foundation is now, right? Just like the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now the best time to get started for your friend's strength training routine might've been a year, five, 10 years ago. The next best time is, is now, right? So you get started now, make that part of the routine. Now it's going to help your friends running. It's going to help your friends probably quality of life for decades into the future and not for nothing, but my friend needs that reminder once in a while too. So um, you know, but that's, that's some of the things that I've, I've shared with my friends in the past, uh, to try to help encourage, encourage them to make strength training a little bit more regular part of the routine. Um, and yeah, you know, it might be a little bit rough. You might have some, some rough days where the legs are a little bit sore, the, the arms are a little bit sore or whatever. Uh, but it's going to pay off. So I hope your friend can, uh, start to make it happen and maybe thinking about the long term, not just running impacts, but life impacts of having some muscle strength would be enough to get going. If you want to hear a little bit more about the benefits of strength training, this is totally unofficial plug, but Peter Atia's new book, it's called longevity, um, talks about all kinds of different health related things and, and trying to live, you know, the, the fullest life we can into our eighties, nineties, and maybe even into our triple digit years. Uh, but like strength training is like, like the abridged version do strength training. So if you want to check out Peter Atia's book, it's a good one. Uh, I listen to it on audible. It's, it's a long one. Um, if you want to get it for free on audible, disruns.com slash audible. Um, but, uh, definitely that's a good resource as well. And, and it might help, it might be good to share with your friend and get your friend more locked into like, yeah, I probably need to make this strength training thing happen. Um, because it's good for us. Very good for us. So thanks for the questions, Natasha. Hope it helps your friend. Uh, l- let me know if your friend, you know, if that works for your friend. All right. Uh, anyway, thanks lady. Uh, next question from the man with two first names, Mr. Jason Dennis. First question. I only try to PR one marathon per year. But when I'm pushing the pace at one, I sometimes give in to the fatigue during the last five to eight miles. 
for someone like me, not found of not fond of, you know, pain and suffering. Do you have any mental tricks to help suck it up? Uh, I mean, you know, I wish, I wish there was like a great trick, right? Like, like if there was, I'd like bottle it, market it and sell it. And like, I'd be rich or at least, you know, maybe I'd be equal to my sugar mama instead of fully reliant on my sugar mama to keep the lights on and things like that around here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any miracle cure. I think sometimes like for some folks, the mantras really help. So having some type of mantra in terms of like, you know, whether like I can do this or, or trust my training. And for me, it's, you know, I, I got it tattooed on my arm of, uh, take the next step. It does. It doesn't, it doesn't make it easier and it doesn't always work, but like that can help a little bit. Um, but I think for me, the thing that's made the most difference is just, is just repetition, right? Like, like the more times I run longer distances, the more times I run marathons, the more times I get into ultras, um, the, the, the better I am at grinding out the end of those races. Sometimes maybe it's the mental of, of like been there, done that enough times that like, I, I, I know I can do this. Uh, sometimes I think it's, it's the, the, just the continued development of my fitness and building my base and building, building that strong foundation so that, you know, yeah, it's, it starts to suck in the last 10 K of a marathon, but like when I push a little bit, my body responds and, you know, I'm able to either maintain pace or maybe even pick up a little bit the, the last handful of miles. And so when I see that, then it's like, yeah, this sucks and it hurts, but like, it's working. Like I'm good. I'm still on pace. I'm still on, on you know, have a good chance to, to, to reach my goal. Uh, so that, you know, that helps to dig a little, it's, it's hard to dig deep when you're already like, uh, yeah, you can't, I can't make the goal time. Not going to PR today. So then, then, then why are you going to dig deep? Right. Um, but if you're on pace, like that makes it a little bit easier. So I think there's a, a, a familiarity that makes, that builds some resilience. And I think that, you know, when the race is going well, like that, that helps too. Now visualization could help. I'm not a big visualization guy, but maybe that's something that helps you. Uh, and not just visualizing everything going perfectly, but visualizing that, you know, you're going to get to mile 18 or mile 20 and like, it's going to start to be a grind and like prepare yourself mentally for the fact that it's, it's, it is going to hurt and it is going to be a grind and, but you can do it. You know, you can still, you can do hard things. You can, you can finish this race strong. Um, because I, I think that sometimes it's, it's easy to visualize everything. Like everything's great. I feel I'm strong at mile 20. I'm strong at mile 22. I see the finish line. I sprint across the finish line PR. And like, if that's how it shakes out, great. But that's not how it shakes out very often versus if you're like, all right, I'm at, I'm at mile 18 and like, it's, I'm starting to, to, to feel it. Legs are starting to be heavy, but I, I push, I persevere. I keep grinding. And you really visualize, especially if you, if you really are into the visualizations, you get into like visualizing yourself on the course. If you, if you can, you know, watch a YouTube video of the course of a race and you can kind of see, all right, at this point, I know this is going to happen and there's going to be this hill, but I can, I can do it. I can do hard things. I've trained. I'm, I'm strong. Um, I can, I can grind up this hill and like really just use kind of that positive affirmation slash visual, visualization, but in a, in a darker place, in a pain cave type of place, maybe that works out a little bit better on race day when you are actually in that place versus just assuming or hoping or, or visualizing everything going great. And then when it doesn't, you're like, I don't know what to do. You know, maybe that helps. So I don't know if there's anything in there that's useful for you, um, but keep, keep trying, keep grinding. And hopefully um, you'll kind of find the, the right mix of different, different options to kind of help you break through um, and, and get through the pain and suffering and still finishing strong on your race and, and getting that next PR. Uh, next question from Jason Dennis. What do you like better about Georgia than Florida running related and not? I mean, really, and, and like, this isn't dismissive, but it is like everything but the income tax. Like, you know, we pay state income tax here in Florida, which I know is like, 
what is it like 44 states have a state income tax or something like that. So most of you are like, yeah, state income tax, duh. Um, but Florida doesn't have a state income tax. So like, that was nice, you know, like a couple of you know, extra thousand dollars a year that we don't have to pay to the government like that. That's cool. Um, and we don't have that now, but everything else about Georgia is better. And I'll, I'll save all the politics stuff. Uh, cause we don't like to be that crazy here. I don't like to touch that third rail. I'll touch, I'll touch a lot of third rails. Um, but yeah, yeah, everything about Georgia is better than Florida right now. The weather is better. The hills maybe aren't better. Maybe that's that's another one. Uh, a couple of friends that that we left in Georgia, but we're trying to get Kate to move up here and bring her family with her. So you know that would that would that would eliminate some of that issue. Um, but otherwise, weather's better. Um, schools are better. Um, I don't like the beach, so I don't care about not having a beach around. Um, we don't have a pool in the backyard, which you might feel like that's a negative. But that's a positive because I don't have to maintain a pool in the backyard. There's a pool a half a mile from the house that's open to the community, which means we have to share it with everybody else. That's kind of a bummer. But I don't like the pool that much either. So whatever, it's fine. If I need to go swimming, I can go. I, I've got a pool, so we got the, got that solved. And I don't have to. I don't have to worry about it. Um, my neighbors in Florida were fine, but like my neighbors here are all you know not all retired people. Uh, they all have most of them, not all of them. Most of them have kids around Addison's age, so there's kids in the neighborhood to play with. Um, you know, we do we do our neighborhood monthly social gatherings, which I don't know that I'm super keen on that, but like, I don't, I don't hate them. And the food's usually good. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a good chance to get together with the neighbors a little bit and, and, and shoot the next one next month's little get together theme is like, bring your own charcuterie board. So guess what? Spicy meats and cheeses. As far as the eye can see, help yourself to a little bit off of everybody's board. Make your plate that way. Like your boy's going to be in hog heaven with cheese, spicy meats, probably no burgers, but like, you know, it'll be okay. So yeah, like, like everything, you know, save for income tax, 10 out of 10, uh, about moving to moving to, to Georgia, getting out of Florida. Like the only thing that, that, you know, if we could go back and play revisionist history, uh, the only thing we do differently is maybe go six months earlier. Cause we could have sold our house for $50,000 more, probably could have bought a house up here for $50,000 less. That's that's like a good, a good math scenario that if we, you know, could have, could, could maybe do that, we'd make it work. But, uh, yeah. What do I like better about Georgia than Florida? Everything pretty much. So thanks for the question, Jason. Hope things are well over in, uh, on your side of the peach state. Next, we've got uh, just a, a few questions left. Three of which come from the man, the myth, the legend, the Gary Joe Collins on Twitter, sending some messages to the old DMS. First one, cross training. My friend Diz says to do it. Gary Joe doesn't even though he knows better, but how often times per week and for how long also good stuff that won't add bulk. Go ahead and pour one out for the Diz runs drinking game because uh, yeah, the answer is it depends, but, but ultimately like, you know, Gary Joe and everybody that's been listening for a minute, y'all know that I am uh, not opposed to the idea of putting on the, uh, the hypocrites hat, right? Like, like we're, we're pretty good around here at saying, yeah, do this even though I don't. Um, and quite frankly, lately cross training has been kind of one of those things. Like I haven't gotten into cross training as much. Um, kind of haven't, haven't done a lot of bike work. Um, so yeah, you know, I say to do it. Gary Joe doesn't, this doesn't exactly do a whole lot of it right now either, at least in terms of that type of cross training. And maybe that's where, where I'm going with the answer here. Um, so, so the way I see cross training, I guess to just spell this out is I look at cross training as some type of cardiovascular something or another. So it could be bike, it could be swim, it could be row, it could be walking, hiking, um, you know, anything where, where, you know, you're, you're, you're moving, 
uh, that's not running. And when it comes to that type of definition, you don't have to worry about adding adding too much bulk, Gary Joe. Like, like you start to, to blur the lines, at least in me, you know, maybe it's it's um, it, it, it's it's making it's it's splitting hairs that don't need to be split. Um, but you know, strength training, maybe that's where you'd be a little bit more worried about adding bulk. Although, um, just to put that myth to bed, like no, nobody has, has ever, unless you're like a 16 year old, just testosterone filled boy, right? Like any, any adult man or woman, um, has never like picked up a, a weight and then been like, Oh snap. Like I'm swole. I'm huge. Like we might look in the mirror and we might flex and talk a big game. But like that's not how that's not how it works. So you don't really have to worry whether you're doing strength training or other forms of cross training or, or cross training specifically. You're not going to add bulk unless you're trying to. You're not going to accidentally stumble your way into you know looking like a Mr. Olympia when all you're trying to do is get a little bit stronger. But when it comes to, to cross training, I think the best cross training is the stuff that you'll do. Um, and for me lately, what that what that really has looked like, I guess I have been doing a fair bit of cross training. Is I got a I got a rucksack. And uh, I've got 25 pounds or 24 pounds, two 12-pound dumbbells in my rucksack right now. Um, and most most every time I take the dog for a walk, uh, I put the rucksack on. So I'm, I'm huffing it around the neighborhood, you know, about a half a mile loop or so uh, each walk That's that's got, you know, 20, 24 pounds of, of weights on my back. Kind of theoretically working up to trying to get to about 35 pounds. And, you know, it's 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 not like cardiovascularly taxing, but it's also not just strolling. And, you know, it builds some core strength, builds some core stability, uh, certainly adds a little bit of intensity to the walk, especially with the hills that are around here. So, th- so that that right now is working better for me than, you know, trying to, to force myself to jump on the bike for, um, you know, 30, 40 minutes of, of spin work, you know, with the treadmill app once once or twice a week. Um, so that works. But, but again, ultimately, like the best cross training is the stuff that you'll do. And, and maybe it doesn't quote unquote exactly count as cross training to say yoga or strength training or things like that. But yeah, like that's other forms of training that definitely helps with being well, well-rounded helps with injury prevention, helps with moving your fitness forward and it's not running. And so if that's the type of thing that you enjoy doing, I mean, I, I have been back on the strength training bandwagon a little bit heavier lately. So I got that going for me as well. Um, that stuff is good for you. And, you know, as far as how often and how long, I mean, you know, that's one of those, and especially if, if you're not doing anything right now, some better than nothing, right? So, you know, can you get once a week and then build from there twice a week, you know, once a week for, for 20, 30 minutes on, on the bike or the elliptical or the rower or in the pool or in the weight room, like that'll make a difference. And it, it's enough when you haven't been doing any of it to, to challenge the system and build some fitness. And then once it becomes pretty easy, once it feels like it's no big deal, then maybe you look at either going a little bit longer or you add a second day, um, but baby steps, you know, start small and build from there. Uh, don't overthink it. Don't try to, 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 to aim for some level of perfection of like, I'm going to, I'm going to do four times a week for an hour each time. And like, where am I going to find four hours each week? And like, no, start with you. What, what can you start with? Can you start with, you know, an, an extra walk in the evening with, with, you know, your wife after dinner, you know, take, take Abby for a walk, like, um, you know, whatever. And, and I guess, I don't know, apologies. I'm not supposed to mention names, you know, but, uh, go out for a walk with your daughter, like whatever, you know, whatever the situation might be, get some buddies in the neighborhood. Just go listen to, listen to some schmuck on a, on a podcast for an extra walk. Um, you know, can you do 10 minutes every night after dinner walking around the neighborhood? Like that, that could be a good place to start. Like, like there's, there's no bar too low where you're like, Oh, this isn't going to be beneficial. It will be, especially if you can be consistent with it. 
Um, and ideally something that's not, doesn't push you so far that you're like, Oh, that was too much. Like if it's too much, then it's hard to come back from. You need a couple extra days to recover from. And that's not ideal. So, you know, what's, what's some low level in terms of duration and maybe even in terms of time per week that you can start with, but then build upon. And, you know, as your fitness improves, um, it'll, it'll support your running. It'll, it'll support your overall fitness. Maybe it'll support your, your mental health as well. And, and like, you know, everything kind of starts to snowball and build upon itself. Um, but you know, what's the, the, the first step is the hardest step, right? So, uh, I, again, I mean, maybe the more I'm talking into me, like Rebecca and I go every night, take the dog for a walk or every night that it's not raining. If it's raining, your boy goes to take the dog for the walk. Cause the dog apparently still needs to go outside. Um, but your boy's wife is like, yeah, have fun on that. You're on, you're on your own. Um, but you know, most nights we go out and we walk the half mile and I've got my pack on most of the time and we got the dog and you know, we're chatting a little bit and like, it's not, it's not like we're not hoofing it, but it's not nothing. And it, you know, time on feet and it's cross training. So, you know, I, I would look at it that way. What's something simple, um, low stress that you can start incorporating in. And if you want to take it to the next level from there, then you take it from the next level from there. But if not, it's, it's better than nothing. It's more than nothing. It's not nothing. So it's something right. Um, and you know, it depends because why not? <laughs> Next question from Gary Joe. Maybe there's a, QT, a, a quick tip over this, but how can I get past the fact that I want to register for a marathon in the fir- on the first Sunday in November in Huntington, West Virginia, not being specific or anything, but I am scared, absolutely senseless to do this. I just admitted that to the Diz Runs universe. Um, first of all, it's an empire, not a universe, but we'll let that, we'll let that slip. Um, you know, I mean, I think, I think that, uh, that if you want to do it, then, then do it. Um, yeah, it's going to be scary. Like that makes sense. It's like 26.2 miles, whether you've done it never, whether you've done it a handful of times, like whether you've done it a dozen times, a 50 times, like it's not nothing. It's definitely not nothing. And, you know, I think, I think I'm at the point where like 26.2 in itself doesn't scare me, but like 26.2 hard pushing myself, trying to get a new PR. That's a little scary. And, but, and the only reason that just in general, it's not scary is because I've done it enough times. They're like, okay, you know, I don't mean to be dismissive, but like, you're not there to where you've done it so many times that it's not, it's not scary. So it makes sense that it's scary. It should be scary. It was scary for me many times. You know, it wasn't like the first time it was scary. And after that, it was no big deal. The first time I was so bloody ignorant that I wasn't scared of it was very disrespectful of it. Y'all have heard that story multiple times, like lesson learned. You know, and, and since then, several times, kind of scared, not sure how this is going to go. Like, who knows? Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I think this is one of those things where the only way you ever get not scared of it is to do it enough times, you know? And, and Jason Dennis is in that situation where he's done it enough times, he's not scared of the distance, but he's also, I don't want to say scared, but like, you know, he talked about the question, struggling with the pain cave and struggling through that, that, that final phase of the race. Uh, and suffering a little bit, like, so there's still a little hesitation there. He keeps doing it enough times. It won't get easier, but it becomes less scary. Um, but if you, if you want to do it, I mean, do it easy for me to say, but yeah, do it. It's going to be scary, but you're in a good, a good spot right now in terms of, you know, if you're, if you're not looking towards, towards a race till the first, uh, part of November, you've got five months to train for it, six months, five and a half months to train for it. Like, you know, you don't got tons of time to dawdle, but you're not back against the wall. Uh, so you can get more comfortable with some of those longer distance runs and, and kind of start wrapping your head around 
yeah, it's going to be a struggle towards the end, but it's okay. And you can do it. And, and you know, the cross training helps and all that type of stuff. Um, I mean, if you don't want to do it, don't do it, but it sounds like you want to do it. You're a little scared. And I think, I think maybe the answer, or if there is an answer is that being scared of a marathon, whether it's your first or your 10th or your hundredth, like that makes sense. I'm down. I'm down for uh, being scared of 26.2 miles or at least a little timid, a little hesitant. Um, but those first few, yeah, scared hundred percent. So what you're feeling is normal. Um, but I don't, I, I, I'm sure there's some type of, of way to get over it without doing it. But I think that doing it is maybe the, for me, at least like that was, you just had to do it enough times to where it wasn't scary anymore. Um, but you can do it. You can definitely do it. And it's just a matter of, you know, sounds like you got a race in mind, you know, throw that credit card down and then, uh, then it's, then it's game on, if you will. Third question from Gary Joe, completing the hat trick, complete foolishness. David Goggins isn't available. Who's the dude slash dudette that you'd give your left big toe to have on Diz Runs Radio? Um, total cop-out answer here, but like, there's no one. Like, not even David Goggins. Like, honestly, <laughs> um, at, the, at the risk of offending everyone's sensibilities, like, if Goggins came knocking on the door and was like, hey, you know, I'd love to be on your podcast, I'd... I'd like there's a decent chance that I'd be like, no, thanks. I'm good. I'm good. Um, I have zero interest. You know, I read, I, I read his first book and apparently the second book, it's a little bit different. I don't know. Um, but the takeaways I got from the first book are so polar opposite to my philosophies on life and training and like, and not literally almost killing yourself to finish a race that like, who can, you know, like you're peeing blood, like you're going too hard, like period end of story. Um, that's your body saying like, Hey dummy, shut it down. And like, he didn't shut it down and he's fine. You know, he lived to tell the tale and he, like, he's a beast. And, and like, it's not like I'm jealous of him and it's not like I I'm trying to downplay him. I just, I, I have no interest in talking to him. None. Like you could give me your left big toe and I still wouldn't want to do it. Let alone, I'm not giving up mine. Um, but as far as, I mean, you know, I, I feel like it's been pretty, pretty obvious of, of the last handful of years where like, I don't, I don't really get worked up about, you know, maybe having elites on the, on the podcast, like, eh, eh. or any, any real well-known famous people. Like I liked talking to you, Gary, I'd give my left toe to have you back on the podcast. Um, you know, many other folks that have been on the show or people that are listening or people I haven't even met yet, but that, you know, live normal, quote unquote, normal lives and have kids and families and work and trying to juggle things. And they're a little bit scared about the first marathon or the first ultra or the first 10 K or whatever. Um, those are the conversations that I enjoy. Um, but no offense to you or anybody else. I'm not giving up my left big toe for like, we're shutting down the podcast before I'm giving up toes to have people on the show. We'll just do Q and A's every week before we're giving up body parts to get somebody to come on the show. That's, I feel like, I feel like in a lot of areas of my life, I don't necessarily have my priorities straight, but in this, in this one singular area, I feel like my priorities are locked in. Like podcast is awesome and I enjoy it. But like we ain't sacrifice we we ain't uh, amputating to keep this thing going. Like oh no 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 no. But uh, thanks for the questions, my friend. Looking forward to next month's hat trick, where you ask for advice on training for uh, the Thundering Herd Marathon in Huntington, West Virginia, on the second Sunday of November. <laughs> Not saying, just saying. Next question. Two questions left. One from Karen. Uh, it says I'm considering running an hourly race. How would you train for this kind of race? So Karen, uh, 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 forgive me, 
But in my head, I'm not sure I understand which type of hourly race you're training for because in my head, there's two. There's two options here. And not that you train for them dramatically different, but I do think there would be some nuance to training for an hourly race where it's like a backyard ultra or something like that, where it's like you run a certain distance, whether it's a mile or five or four or three or 2K or whatever, but you're running a certain distance every hour and you just keep going as long as you can. Or the idea of running for six hours or 12 hours, no finish line. You just go for the duration as long as you want. And that's, that's the end of the race. Um, and I'm not sure which one you're talking about. Cause to me, both of those are hourly races. They're different, but they're, but they're, they're not, um, in both cases, I mean, time on feet is going to be a factor. Anytime you're, you're talking about running for hours and hours, um, time on feet is key. Uh, but I think if you're, if it's one of those hourly races where you're stopping and starting every hour, um, I think there is a certain amount of practicing for that. Like, like, you know, I'm sure those of you that have done several five Ks for the, the, the DRNYFA, um, like the first couple aren't too bad, but as the day drags on, if you've done five or eight or 10 or 12 or a couple, I think what's 14, 14 or 15, something like that is, is the longest you start getting, you know, on six hours, seven hours, eight hours of this stop and start and stop. And it gets, it gets harder to start again once you stop. And so having a little bit of training like that to just kind of, you know, remind yourself, Hey, just, just get moving, get started, work the kinks out, and then you kind of settle in and cruise can be useful. Um, I think if you're doing more of a, of a duration type of race, you know, six hours, 12 hours, 24 hours, whatever, um, then it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like training for any other ultra where it's, it's time on feet. It's maybe it's some back-to-backs, you know, maybe back to Tom's question, maybe, it, maybe that's a good excuse or a good rationale for some double days, you know, where you run, you know, for three hours in the morning and then you go about, you know, on, on Saturday, you go about the day, you work in the garden and you play with the grandkids and you know, whatever you do some stuff around the house. And then, you know, five, six o'clock in the evening, you set out for another couple hours just to kind of have that experience of running when you're fatigued, because, you know, if you're running for six hours or Lord knows you're running for 12, like fatigue becomes a thing. And you, you know, you build some of that mental resilience, but also obviously some of that physical resilience. So, so time on feet. Now, obviously there's a, there, you know, kind of back to Stephanie's question there, there could, there is a point of diminishing returns where, you know, more could be, can still be valuable, but you start to maybe it's less diminishing returns and the risk reward starts to go out of whack. You know, you start doing eight hour runs every weekend. Well, now there's some, some serious risk for injury, for burnout, for overuse type of things. That, that's not worth, it's not worth the, the potential training benefit you get beyond, you know, a, a three hour run or a four hour run or a back to back or a, a double or something like that. So there is some, some nuance in there, but, but yeah, I mean, just building, building that base, building up that, that, that physical stamina, not like the endurance stamina, but like the stamina of your feet, the stamina of your legs, your hips, your lower back, uh, to be up and moving for six hours or 12 hours or whatever the event might be. Um, you're doing that, you know, and also, you know, maybe leaning into the strength training a little bit more like, like, uh, Natasha's friend needs to do, you know, and like my friend needs to, needs to continue to do, um, to build some of the core strength and just the muscular strength, the, the glute strength, um, to just keep going when you're tired. Cause that, that pays off, especially in the longer races where, where fatigue really becomes a factor and form starts to break down. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't over, overthink it. I wouldn't overanalyze it. It's not dramatically different than training for, you know, any type of race, half marathon, marathon, whatever, you just might be a little bit more volume heavy. Um, and also try to set yourself up for a little bit of, of excess fatigue with some of your training, not all of it. Cause you want to, you still don't want to, you don't want to run yourself into the ground, of course, but having some of that, that mental fortitude to keep grinding when you're not feeling fresh as a daisy, especially if you're a morning runner. I mean, for me, at least, you know, most of the time morning run, like I'm feeling pretty good when I get started at least cause I'm rolled out of bed. Um, 
but doing some stuff later in the day or a second run in the day when you're not quite as fresh uh, can be useful for later stages in those, you know, as, as the time keeps ticking and you keep grinding, uh, that can, that can be helpful from a mental and physical perspective. So load up on the miles intelligently. Don't overdo it. Um, but it's just a lot of, a lot of grinding to get ready for those really long races and, or some stopping and starting if that's the hourly race that you're talking about. But one way or the other, I hope that got, has you covered. I uh, hope things are well for you, Karen. Uh, also a Georgia, a Georgite, a Georgian, I uh, hope things are well in your part of the state as well, m'lady. Last but not least, back up to the Great Plains. Barb's final question. One more for fun, which is a great way to end it. Let's have a fun question to wrap this thing up. Um, we all know you're a creature of habit. Have I mentioned that? Have I mentioned before that I'm a creature? Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Do you have any non-negotiables when running? Something you have to do or have to have for every run? Um, it's It's... Interesting that you led into that with I'm a creature of habit because I clearly am yet. Yet I, I'm not that like, I'm not, I'm like a a macro habit guy, not a micro habit guy. Like I don't have any super like set things that I need in terms of, I can only, only have this for breakfast or I can only wear these shoes or I can own like, eh, none of that stuff. Like I, I like my, my regular routine and like my weekly routine and my regular, somewhat regular daily routine and things like that. Um, but in terms of like things I have to have or have to do for a run, like, I mean, I guess I have to have a hat on, but like, that's kind of just a life thing. Like I always have a hat on, like, I don't, I don't live life without a hat and no, it's not, I'm not, I'm not uh, male pattern balding yet. Uh, I'm not receding yet. Um, I'm graying, but I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable with that. Um, and the hat doesn't cover my beard, which is maybe the grayest of all. So let's not, let's not kid ourselves there, but you know, outside of always wanting to have a hat on, um, I mean, you know, sometimes I like long runs, I carry my pack with me cause it's got a water bottle and especially, um, you know, it, it, when I'm not running in areas where it's, it's, you know, next to parks and things like that, which is most of the time, it's good to have a little bit of, of hydration. Um, but like during the week, I don't, you know, during the week I got the leash a couple of times a week with the dog. Um, but I don't like have to, like, it's not a have to, like, I enjoy running with a dog, but like, I don't have to run with the dog. Um, different shoes, you know, podcasts. Yes. Like maybe that's, maybe that's the other one that's borderline. Like I do have a couple of podcasts that like, you know, I've one that I listen to every Monday. It's the first podcast I listen to on my Monday morning run. Um, you know, I've got one that is pretty regular on the rotation for Tuesday. Um, you know, like, like I do kind of have a little bit of, of, um, maybe not non-negotiable, but like definitely preferable in terms of what I'm listening to during a run and, and what days, you know, I listen to what podcasts because either they just got released this day or they're like, I listen to Jocko usually on Saturday cause it's usually a long podcast. So like gets me through half of my long run or something like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, not, not too many truly non-negotiables. I really would rather have a hat on and outside of that, like, Make it work. As long as I'm getting my run in. Like, that's the non-negotiable is that I get out and go. And as long as that happens, everything else more or less takes care of itself. So thanks for the final question, Barb. Good to end on a fun note. Uh, and thanks, everybody, for the question. Lots of questions this month. Wasn't planning on button up against two hours for this one. And yet, here we are, button up against two hours. Stranger things have happened. And thinking it was going to be a, an hour episode and it turns into two. 
you know, I'm sure it'll happen again next month or, you know, maybe in July, which is not next month. Next month is June. I'm sure it'll happen next month, maybe in July. Who knows? We'll, we'll do this. We'll do these two hour episodes again, maybe next month. Maybe you'll add some questions to the mix to make it happen. Uh, Dizruns.com slash Facebook is the best way to do that. Uh, or just search for the Dizruns tribe on Facebook. And when the, when the post comes out mid month, so say, hey, what are your questions this month? Uh, you know, add some in there. Uh, you know, whether, whether you got the trifecta or the hat trick or Barb's just Barb's bushel, Barb's bushel of, of questions this month. Um, you know, we'll get some from Mona again, one of these months. And of course, Melody's always, always likely to chime in here or there. Um, or whatever. Everybody sent some questions this month. Alex, welcome to the party. Thanks for the questions. Rob, always good to see you. Stephanie with some questions, man with two first names, Karen. We got, we got all the questions this month, Martin. Now, now I got to go back through the list and make sure I don't forget anybody. Uh, if I didn't mention you, Michaela, Brian, Desley, uh, Chris, I, I am going back through the list. Daryl, Jackie, I think that's everybody now. Thanks for all the questions this month. Thanks for all the questions we've had in the past. Looking forward to your questions next month. Like I said, join the Facebook group, get the questions, join the party. We're a pretty, we're a pretty decent group, I think. Uh, and if you need some amino acids or if you'd like some amino acids, you want to try some amino acids, you know, get yourself an order, try it for 60 days. If you're not sure, then they'll give you your money back. But I think you'll be sure and support the podcast at the same time while supporting your health, building your building your your muscles, building your building your body from the inside out with good amino acid supplementation. Aminoco.com slash Dizruns. A-M-I-N-O-C-O.com slash Dizruns is the link to make sure that, that, that we get a little credit for exposing you to the product and, and encouraging you to try it out. And of course, make sure you use the code Dizruns at checkout. That saves you 30% on whatever you order. So, you know, 30%, not nothing. Um, nice little savings. So save yourself 30% on your order at aminoco.com slash Dizruns. And with that, with my voice failing me and my coffee getting cold, let's wrap this one up, y'all. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the attention. Thanks for the questions. Thanks for taking me with you today, for putting up with this nonsense each and every month. Uh, good Lord willing, we'll do it again next month. Good Lord willing, we'll have some questions next month. That's on you, actually. Good good y'all willing, we'll have some questions next month. Uh, but until then, y'all be well. Take care. Thanks for listening. Talk soon. See y'all.